<laughs> this is a great collection. Yeah, this is. These are all from Plasticell. Look, even the sunglasses come off on. Wow. Baby. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah, got it's John awesome. Wick. <laughs> John Wick and his pit bull. Richard this is Pryor. Awesome. Yeah, I got Kanye, Bruce Lee. <laughs> but the glasses are biggies. Amazing. I know. Well, this guy's amazing. <laughs> Shout out to Fong from Plasticell. He makes some dope shit. <laughs> Yeah, he's amazing. <clears throat> but not as amazing as that shit you did in the green room, man. <laughs> David just did uh, some card wizardry. That uh, It's one <laughs> thing that you see when you see that shit on TV. You're like, man, eh, if I was there, I'd see some shit. I'd know what's going on. But when you see it in real life, you're like, what is happening here? Yeah, it's way better like uh, in person than always. Oh, yeah. Well, at the end, I don't want to give anything away, but the end, Literally, a man is holding one of his wrists, and another guy's holding the other wrist, and he still does the card trick, and we still can't figure out what happened. <laughs> when did you get started? How old were you? Um, so I, I was about five years old when I started playing with cards, but I didn't know what what they were for, really. So I just had a deck of cards that I carried everywhere. But I liked the way it felt, you know, just like it felt like something cool. Mm. So eventually a librarian was like, oh, we got this like magic self-working card trick book in. Do you want to learn something? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> of course. And she shows me the, mo the, the that silly self-working mathematical trick that's a long process to do, but it's still a cool outcome. Like, oh, I found your card, right? Right. And my mother, I used to wait for her at the library, and she'd come get me when she was done. And when she came, I said, can I show you this trick? And the librarian was excited for me to do it to her, which is what I do to my friends' kids. And I teach them a trick and make them really good at it, and then I'm so excited to see them do it, you know? Right. Okay. So my mother comes, and I do the trick, and my mom goes crazy like it was a <laughs> like it was the best thing ever and so like but that began the love of wanting to learn mm. new tricks because i wanted to keep making her you know react you know happy yeah. or whatever so that was basically the fundamental start of it and then also she would take me to coney island all the time and um you know on, on the side on the boardwalk there there's those weird freak show performers stuff. so i'd watch those guys and it, to me, it was all like magical. So that that was kind of the beginning of it. So isn't it funny how one positive experience when you're yep. young can ignite this chain of events? <laughs> yeah, that changes your whole life. By the way, and also, so then the librarian, when I would come, she would give me books and I would start looking at that little magic section that was between like games and puzzles. I thought I always wished magic would be like not there. Like it should be like an art or so, you know, just mm. it was always like when you want a magic book, it's always like that silly, like kids jokey thing. But there's yeah. like, so in that section, I pulled out a book and I was like six years old and I see a guy chained to the side of a building, staring out, looking like, death is upon him <laughs> and that was Houdini and I didn't know anything about what that all meant I looked through the pictures and he was hanging upside down and stuff like that but when I went to sleep I would have these dreams of this guy chained to the side of a building and that began my curiosity and love of of Houdini and then that began my curiosity of like not just like the magic trick stuff but like this stuff that's to me it's more like real yeah know? how do those two worlds collide because some of the things you're doing they're they're just insane endurance and mental exercises 
and then other things you're doing are what you would consider magic. Right. So, so I love both separately, like independently. Like I always love, like I had a karate teacher at the YMCA that used to make us all run barefoot in the snow in the winter in Brooklyn. And uh, all the kids were like, you know, we're young. We're like six, seven. And all the kids were like, ah, you know, and afraid they were going to cut their feet on glass, whatever. And I would run in it. And I felt like I could do this because I wasn't good at other things physically. Like I was born with my feet turned in and stuff like that. So I felt like this, I could do these things. So then I learned how to hold my breath. And the reason I learned how to hold my breath was simply because I was on the swim team at the Y also. And the other kids would swim back and forth and they'd destroy me because my feet didn't function perfectly well. And what I learned is that if I didn't breathe, if I just swam, it would save me time because I didn't have to move my head, dip it out. And, you know, mm. right. So I would just swim and the coach would yell at me. But suddenly I was no longer in last place. I was like now second and sometimes first. And that began my like, oh, God, you, you can actually do what the coach doesn't think is possible. You could swim there and back without breathing. And then the older kids would come to see me do that. And I would like challenge them. I'd be like, um, let's see, you could stay under the longest and you can go up and down five times. I didn't understand the physiology of it, that like going up and down doesn't help. It's more effective to just sit through the pain and just kind of chill. But I would just sit there and they'd go up and, <laughs> and come back down, which makes it worse <laughs> that they'd be out. And I'd Why still does it be... make it worse? Because uh, the breath holding thing is all about like a CO2 buildup in your bloodstream and it's about a tolerance level to it. So if you relax and efficiently keep your oxygen and not make the CO2 buildup more extreme, you can actually hold more efficiently. So when you have that feeling, everybody has that feeling where you need to breathe. Like, uh, and yeah, that's, it's uh, not an O2 deprivation. Right. It's a trigger from a CO2 buildup, which is giving you an alert that, for example, in 20 minutes from now, you will not recover. And I didn't believe that either. So a magician friend of mine who's amazing um, and, and one of my like heroes in life, uh, he he told me a story as I was doing like Buried Alive and all these He said, you know, you know, the Navy SEALs, you know, they black them out underwater so they're not afraid of drowning. And I'm like, that can't, no way. Like, because it seems so abstract to me, you know? So, but it stuck in my brain. And then when I wanted to do the water tank stunt and I started learning about free diving and stuff like that, I suddenly realize blacking out is pretty straightforward. Like you black out and then you get your head above the water and if you're supervised, you're fine. So when I went to San Diego with the SEALs, I watched what they do and I actually did it, but I didn't black out. I went back and forth a few times in the pool, but they have that viewing pool and they rope the SEALs up to some 45 pound weights and they have to walk across the bottom of the pool and the instructors are swimming above them. And when the, when the SEALs black out, they cut the rope, bring them up to the top, and they're fine. But what that teaches you is that you do not need to worry about being underwater because if you're with a team – and you, but by the way, nobody should try this. You know, There is extreme dangers to shallow water blackouts, which lead to death. But if you are in somebody that's training and you have a team and you want to push it, as soon as you black out, it's like getting knocked out. It's, it's, but it feels better. It's not like getting knocked out with a punch. It's like you get getting knocked, choked it's out. It's euphoric. No, but no. Yeah. But it, choked but, out is euphoric. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 
Except this one's even better. And then you have all these dreams. No, it, no. <laughs> you make it sound exciting. That part of it, when, whenever I wake up from a blackout, I'm like, whoa. That's how people wake up when they get choked out. <clears throat> really? The yeah, same? Yeah. When people get choked out, they wake up almost like they were dreaming. Like sometimes they think they're at a disco. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. They're like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> and uh, it's not the best thing in the world for you, but it's way better for you than getting knocked unconscious. Yeah, yeah, choked, the head. Cho- yeah, choked out is just a it just shuts off the blood to the, bl- the right. brain, right? And the brain shuts off, yeah, and then it comes back online. But there's no trauma, right? Yeah, but it's not, yeah. So it's like a, sh- yeah. a blacking out but underwater. The blacking out underwater thing probably not a good idea to do too many times, though, right? No, you could do it. I mean, I've blacked out underwater a lot. How many? <laughs> By the way, so okay, how many times? I don't know, like between. 20 to 30. I mean, I have like, oh, to, wow. by the way, I, you guys were talking about me on the thing about the breath hold thing. Yeah, so yeah. one time I went 20 minutes and two seconds. So I almost did what you were talking about, the length of a show, but I did 20 minutes and two seconds and I had telemetry there and I had pulmonary experts and everything like that. And my heart rate dropped to eight beats per minute. Holy eight, shit. Eight, and they pulled me up because they were freaked out. They like, thought you were dying. Yeah. But back to what I was saying is the reason besides the Navy SEAL story that I knew that it was it made sense was because you hear about the kids in the news, like in 1984 or whatever it was, a kid was under an icy river for 45 minutes yeah, with nothing, blacked out, unconscious, underwater for 45 minutes. They rescue him out, pull him back, recover him, and full recovery. So there's something that the body does that we don't understand. And, but if you actualize, so because he blacked out and because it was so cold, the blood shunting occurred. We're all like the same as when you get cold. The blood rushes away from the extremities and protects the vital organs. And because he didn't inhale the water because he was completely out of it, when they recovered him, they didn't even have to get water out of his lungs and he was perfectly fine. Wow. So, but, but that just shows you that there's like a certain levels of of what the body can tolerate that we have no idea. So you, in, in learning how to swim and learning how to go all the way back and forth and holding your breath, this started this idea of holding your breath for an extreme long period of time. Like what had been the record before you had like 20 minutes and how many seconds? Two seconds? Yeah. That's what you did? Yeah, but that's what not had the you record. Done, but what had done. you done before that? What had been your record? Okay, so when I was a kid, I heard, as I start reading about Houdini, his like proud record of his lifetime, and he's the underwater escape king for 100 years ago, and he had, he was around the best swimmers, and he mm-hmm. had access to, and he got up to three and a half minutes. So by the time I was like a teenager, early teenager, I got to three and a half minutes. And did you think that that was a barrier that couldn't be crossed? Well, I came, I blacked out as I came out, but I didn't know what that all meant, right? So I blacked out and was at, so I was like, okay, that 3.30 seems like the edge. But then when I started working on the actual concept of like, how long can you hold your breath for? Then I started looking into it and I'm like, oh, wow, there's like people that can do five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. And then there was a hypothetical record of... um of uh, a hypothetical 13-minute record, but no evidence of it, and that was on Puro 2. So it was a hypothetical Puro 2 record of 13. When you so say on Puro 2, what's Puro, the process? That flushes everything out and oxygenates So you start oxygenates Puro 2, yeah, you that, hold on to Puro 2, yeah, and yeah, then I, you go I under? I purge really hard on Puro 2, so <sighs> which is like hypervent, which gets rid of the CO2 and gives you more room for oxygen. And by the way, I just went up to 25,000 feet 
in an airplane ascending at 500 feet per minute, doors open and everything, no oxygen. And I was with Luke Akins, who jumped from 25,000 feet with no parachute, landed in that. He was with me and two other, the pilot and two other guys. We just right under 25, it was a 24 7, whatever. And um, he, I said, let's see who goes hypoxic first, right? <laughs> so, no, 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 but we had, no, but you have to take the oct, the O2, you have to take the O2 monitors, you have to, beyond mm -hmm. right so and i was already in a hypobaric chamber with the fa at oklahoma city and i started purging just to see what it would do and my levels my oxygen levels shot up which nobody believes is possible so i get into the airplane and we put the monitors on and everybody's around the same i was actually lower than luke i was like at 90 whatever 5 96 he was at like 97 he's like oh i'm winning right you know joking with me and as soon as we cross fifteen thousand feet his slowly is starting to come down and I start doing the breathing technique, the <sighs> purging out, like I mm -hmm. said, right? My oxygen levels, and we filmed all this, shot up to 98 and then 99% as I went up to 23 plus thousand feet. Now these guys think I'm a magician, so they're like, yeah, uh-huh, like fake news, that's what he wrote on the paper next to the levels because he was recording it. So. I took his monitor off of his finger, and he took mine. I put his monitor on my finger, put mine on his, bang, his was dropping around 70, and mine was 98, 99. Then I switched with, I switched with everybody on the plane and the oxygen levels with the breathing all the way up to that altitude, and I'm not recommending this because I haven't tested enough, in it, but they did stay up at 98, 99. And so my evidence for that was, you hear about all the Sherpas that go up to the top of Everest, up to 29,000 feet, and they're not bringing oxygen. I get it. They're acclimating, six, but they're still at 29-plus thousand feet. So they're doing something that's allowing them to rewire their ability to not go hypoxic. So this breathing technique, you're essentially exhaling more than you're breathing in. So you're breathing a small amount in, and then, and then that I fill up everything mm -hmm. for full but i mean full like top mm -hmm. to bottom hold for a second and then tsh, exhale slowly and i like for example if, if when, when we're done here if you have 20 minutes i'll get you up to a four and a half minute breath hold in 20 minutes and this is just through these breathing techniques yeah when we're done with this i'll, I'll show you how to do it and, and you will get up to four plus minutes for sure and how did you so you you've Learned that you could go three and a half minutes or three minutes plus, right? And, yeah. and and blackout. And then how did you have it in your head that you were going to eventually get to uh, 20 minutes? Okay, so you really want to hear yeah, all yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long... Oh, go, let's go. Okay, and I forget where I'm going okay, sometimes. Okay, it's okay. Okay, Don't so worry you might it. have to remind me where okay. we're going. Yeah. Okay. So, I just want to know the process because okay. you're, no, no, but you're it's a, a long magician by uh, trade, uh, right? Well, but first of all, I like Houdini. So right. I love magic, but I like Houdini, and Houdini right. was like king of cards yes. as well, but he's a guy that's doing real things. Right. And then I like guys that are like, as I go, I go to the Museum of Broadcasting because there was no mm -hmm. YouTube or whatever. So I'd look at like these magic, you search magic, and I'd find like guys that would like drink a gallon of water drink a liter of kerosene he would float all the kerosene on top of the water and then he would spit out kerosene out of his mouth look like a human dragon and then put the fire out with a gallon of water so it's that it is magic but it's it's art it's yes. mind-blowing yes. it's an art it's a performance piece it's not like 
it's incredible. Now, look, there's guys that are card guys that are like that also. Like lots, lots of people I love and respect. They do the cards in a way that's like, but, but that act to me was what pressed a button. It was like, whoa, like how is he converting his body to do a trick? And there's a guy today performing called Stevie Starr who's called the Human Regurgitator, but he swallows crazy things. Like, so he, he combines magic with his ability. So he went on Jay Leno, or one, yeah, I think it was Leno or Carson. He takes, a, you know, the little film canisters that used to drink. Uh, mm. So he puts a, a film canister, empty, right? Closes it for the, you know, you get the 35. And then he goes, and then he swallows it. So it's in, it's, yeah, it's gone. And he goes like that, it's gone. Then he would take a bunch of water, drink that, and then there'd be a cup with a goldfish in it. Drinks the cup and the goldfish. And then he have Jay Leno sign the cap, the, the lid thing to the thing with a piece of tape and sign it, right? Then he'd take that and go, now everything is gone. Then he does these weird sounds and movements, which is part of his show, right? And then he brings it up, spits it out, and <laughs> the film canister is sealed, and in it is the water and the fish, and it's sealed with the signature. So to me, that's like the coolest magic, because you're take. Because when you see a trick, you know, like, oh, that's cool, but it's a trick. So it's like you're being removed from being able to, like, absorb. But when you see something where somebody's doing something crazy and it seems like a trick, but it's also like, wait, this is real because he's really doing this, it, it's just way more exciting, you know? I understand. I, I understand. <laughs> it's just, do you know how he did that one? Obviously, yeah, you don't I, yeah, I talk okay. to, yeah, I talk to him all the time. Yeah, I love Stevie, Stevie Starr. You know how it, it was done. But you can't reveal that, right? Yeah, he and and okay. There's another guy, Tom Molica, who he passed away, and he was this guy. He's the first magician I ever saw. He did a simple card trick, and I was crying. I was like in tears. I was like, oh my god! But he, and he passed away, and I filmed that. And and he's I'm gonna do a really amazing piece about him because he is incredible. But he also was on like uh, Johnny Carson shows. What he would do is he would take a pack of cigarettes, throw them into his mouth one at a time, light them on fire, <laughs> bring them back out, and then throw them into his mouth one at a time, eat all there the cigarettes. Yes! There he is. <laughs> so and watch, he eats the cigarettes. cigarettes. Wow, that's great how fast they pulled that up. It's not they, it's young Jamie. Oh, it's you? He's a wizard. Yeah. He's a wizard of yeah, his, look, his own Yeah, look, so he right. takes, by the way, this act killed him. So that's how dedicated to his craft he is. Did it really? Yeah, look, he... He was eating a pack of cigarettes every night on stage. I mean, so just he think, swallows them and swallows then twenty cigarettes. Yeah, and then but wait, he also throws them into his mouth. Like, oh my god! So and now he's he, chewing them. What? What is he chewing? He, he's just amazing. But holy, I get to where he's throwing them into his mouth too. Oh boy! Yes, yeah, so he throws them into his mouth one at a time. They're lit. He chews them up, swallows them. His that mouth poor is lady. empty. Look at the lady. And She's like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" <laughs> oh my god! Look at that stack in his mouth. And then look, the whole thing goes in. By the way, he also throws them one at a time. Does all that. Puts the paper in. Oh Jesus Christ! And swallows it all. Oh my look. god! Yep. He he's so amazing. So how did this kill him? Every single night, just twenty cancer? shows a night at a bar, doing cigarettes in your mouth on fire, eating them, swallowing them. Right. <laughs> but what killed? What did he die from? Yeah, cancer? cancer. Yeah, yeah. Boy. Yeah. But wait. So. Um, so he spits them out. 
eventually, or he just swallows them? I'm not going to give away his genius. Right, but the, the, in the video, uh, no, do they no, ever no, come out? No, 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 no. they're gone. They yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like, I, I guess. But this is a guy that died for his art, legitimately. Yeah, legitimately. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But the, so another, the guy I was telling you about that's like my favorite card magician, the guy that taught, that showed me the Navy SEAL, but just an amazing magician as a library. He, um, he's like this genius that if he came here, which he never would because he would never show anybody anything, but if he did and he showed you a couple of moves, like the first move he showed me was actually a card move called Ascension where he makes the card float right through the deck. And like the greatest magician of all time, like card magician said it was one of the greatest tricks ever done. You won't be able to find it anywhere because it's not a video. But he, um, he only does it to a couple of magicians. So he performs for like, you know, a handful of his friends. He shows a move and it's mind blowing. And luckily he showed me stuff when I was young, but he'll never ever perform. He's like, does a painter paint so he can show people or does a painter paint to paint? But whenever you're on the phone with him, you just hear cards. Like he's like, <laughs> and he's do no, and he's doing it. He's doing, I'm telling you like 13, day long. 13 hours a day. He's doing card moves wow. alone. And I said, but I was like, Bill, what do you do? Do you like do the trick to yourself? And be like, ah, <laughs> I do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but well, like he doesn't believe that it. it's not to him. It's not a performance to him. It's, it's just about the technical love and feel of, of that. Well, that's not the, – there's a Japanese phrase for that about doing something over and over and over and over. They're the exact same thing over and over again to achieve a level of perfection that is uh, almost physically unattainable to mere mortals. You, you, you <laughs> bypass what a person thinks the, the body would be capable of doing. Yep. Yeah. That that's, that's that's it. That's yeah. it. That's I what mean, he's doing. That is the thing. Like if you can, there, you know, who James Nestor is. Yeah, of the course. Book, he wrote the book Deep. Yes. Yeah, Deep is amazing. Uh, I don't know Deep, but I've that's I read a book he wrote. Deep. Yeah. Breath is the one that I read, and I had him on the podcast to talk he's about amazing. it. He's amazing. He was talking about this monk that uh, was literally meditating and doing breathing exercises all day long for thirty years. And could do these insane things with his body, like vary the temperature from one hand to another, change the blood flow, change it literally from one finger to the For other. For sure. And that yeah. you, the only way you could get to that place is you have to be that guy who sits in a cave and does breath work all day long for 30 years. And most people just aren't willing to do that. But if you do do that, there are some levels that you can reach that are just unattainable to a normal person and even... If you would talk to, but I agree with that. Scientists but it is, and but doctors, it, no, but it is attainable, it is attainable. to normal Clean. people because yes. when somebody gets paralyzed or something, right? I've seen people that the doctors say you're done, you have no shot, and they spend all day of every single waking moment trying to get like a little mo, just like a tiny bit of mo movement in their little toe, and eventually, mm -hmm. if they do what you're saying, if you, yes, so it it is that. Yeah, it is that. It's but most people are not willing to get to that place. Most people are not going to sit there shuffling cars 13 <laughs> hours a day like your friend. Yeah. But there's people that can do that. Like when I was watching you move the cards around, it's interesting. Like you ever watch a movie where a guy's smoking a cigarette? You know, that guy doesn't really smoke. You can kind of tell. By the way, he's holding the cigarette. It yeah, just feels no, odd. That's good. Yeah. You're moving these cards around <laughs> like your your edge detection, like your understanding of where the edge. It's very interesting to watch your fingers move because they're so they're so educated. You know, um, because of uh, 
all the commentary that I do with martial arts and my years in martial arts, it's it, I'm fascinated by how different people move and they do the same thing. They, it looks different when other people do it. There's certain people that'll throw a punch and you just walk at it. You go, you go, Jesus. There's something about the the fluidity of the motion that's stunning even to this day. And that was this, when I was watching you move your fingers and watching you move the cards. I'm like this motherfucker has shuffled a <laughs> lot of cards. There's a weirdness to the the movement of your hands. But I think it's what you're saying. It's like the punch thing. It's like there's yes. yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it is, but it's it's the you you the mind forces the body into moving over and over and over again. You know, you do it to this level of perfection that you do, for a person like me who doesn't know anything about cards, I don't know anything about card tricks. I don't know how they work. I can't shuffle. If you watch me shuffle, you'd fucking laugh at me. But I watch your your hand movements. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> but now there's guys that I'm around that I wouldn't even pull a deck of cards out of my pocket if they're near me. Because they're, they're that guy that does it 13 hours yeah, a day. Like, yeah, like... Like the guy just That's, told you isn't about. Isn't that it. fascinating, like, though? But but yeah, but there's also different aspects to it. But so so like you know, there's also guys. I can't. I'm not gonna go into details. Okay. But I met. I feel like I shouldn't even say this, but it's fine because it's fine. So I, I met a kid once, who moved to Las Vegas, when he was. This is a crazy story to tell. Damn. But it's a good story. Okay, I won't go into details. So he moved to Las Vegas when he was 12. He moved there because he wanted to meet a specific person who was considered the best card cheat ever. Meaning the guy, the, this is a guy that the reason that Vegas has those, instead of like the dealer peeking the, the down card, they have to put it into a machine and push a button. He's the guy that the movie Casino was built around with the computer and the shoe. Like, he was the the best card sheet ever, but among magicians, he's like a phenomenon because he's working on moves not to entertain anybody. He's working on moves so he doesn't get his hands smashed up against a wall at Binion's, you mm, know, right? Yeah. So he's working on moves so he's not going to get killed. Survival. Yes. But yeah. He, so he, right. So... This kid at the age of 12 knows about him, moves to Las Vegas, and buys a craps table. He puts the craps table, it's him and his mom, right? His mother, single mother and him. They, they live in this small apartment very close to the man I was telling you about. And this kid throws dice 15 hours a day on this craps table. By the way, their little bed is like under the table. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. a small space and it's a real craps table, like a nice one. The only thing he does is repetitiously throw the, and he can helicopter spin the dice so you can't see them doing this. They have such force going around this way that when they hit the wall, one die won't break the number. And he can throw it exactly to this part of the of the table, missing this from across the table so that one die locks and every time he can guarantee that number. He did that every day for almost a decade until he could throw dice better than any other human being in the world. Then he went and got a job at one of the casinos that texts for car cheats and worked in the craps tables. It's all he did. And as soon as he turned 21, he went out, travels the world, 
and wins the exact amount of money that he should win playing craps where you're not detected, but <laughs> but you can. What is the exact amount? I mean, I, un, under, yeah. you know, probably. Under a million? Yeah, probably a few million a year. So but I'm saying it's not like he's going in and getting right. greedy. It's, it's very smart and structured. Yeah, and, and that's going to different living. places. And he can throw dice like I've never seen anybody throw dice. It's crazy. I know that they take people that are really good at cards. Like my friend Dana White has been barred from casinos because he wins at blackjack. He's probably just counting. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, he's counting. But they've they've kicked him out of casinos because he's won a lot of money. But he's also lost a lot of money, which is bizarre to me that you can go to a place and do really well, and they're like, you're doing too well, you got to get out of here. Well, they also, it says behind every table, we have the right to refuse anybody, which is important. Because but do they do that with dice is the question. Um, I get the, how they would do that with okay, cards. Okay, so do you want to hear a dice yes, story? But this please. isn't me doing magic. This is luck. Okay. Okay. So I don't believe you. It is. I don't like the way you paused. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but I'm serious. I know, but, I, okay. but I'm saying okay, that because I'm you. trying to be okay. convincing. Okay. Okay. So, because I'm telling the truth. But anyway, I go to the Palms, you know, the. Yeah. Okay. And um, they had a bet on the craps table called the Fire Bet. And uh, it was like a, a, a game where you have to hit all of the numbers open and close without butt crapping out. So, when I walk up to the table, Right away, the the pit boss and everybody, they make a big deal. Like, you can't touch the dice. And they're like, I said, you can call up. I can touch the dice because, you know, they invite me. So I said, I can touch the dice and because uh, I, I wanted to throw. Right. right? I don't want to just gamble on a rant. So anyway, I um, – because even though I'm not cheating, I still feel like, you know, maybe I'll get – I have a little bit of an ability that's given – you know what I mean? Right. Not a cheating ability, but maybe I'm a little better than a random person. I don't know. Right? Got it. So the pit ball, they make a joke, and then the woman pit boss comes out. She says, well, if you take your shirt off, we'll let you throw the dice. Joking, right? So anyway, what I do is I bet for everybody at the table. And this, I go to the low stakes table always. So the high stakes table is that Super Bowl team right over there, and they're like, ah, they're all crazy, right? Like right. all excited with these big bets. And I'm here with this table. We all have little bets, right? That I say, let's put a fire bet down for everybody. So I put the fire bet down for every single person at the table, including the dealers, the pit, I mean the pit ball, you know, the, you know, with the dice. And, and uh, I'm throwing the dice, throwing the dice. And this goes on for two and a half hours. I keep throwing the dice. I didn't hit a, I didn't crap out. I hit sevens in between each number, which I don't you know can. How craps work. So you have to roll like a five, let's say, and then I'm like, oh no, I need to roll another five, which is statistically much more difficult than a seven because seven is the most common number to come up. So if you roll a five, you're like, uh oh, that's hard because you can only get a two three or a three two on both dice or a one four or four one. So you have a four. Out of 36, so it's a 1 and 9. So you're probably going to crap out before you get the number. That's why the game is to their favor. So I'm throwing the dice, and it's two and a half hours later, and they stop everything. And they're like, your fire bet just hit. (laughs) And the table goes, what does that mean? They go, well, you all just won like 10 grand each. And they all go, ah! Like everybody's going, they gave me the taste, everybody's going nuts, and we hit the fire bet, which they've now removed from the palms, by the way. But it was it was a pretty unheard of, like the odds of hitting that bet is pretty rare. But it's just luck. Nobody should hit that bet. I mean, statistically, it's unlikely, and I wasn't cheating. So, yeah. 
So do they? But the the, the question is, I'm lucky for some dice? reason. I'm like I'm lucky with dice, right? But I'm not. I but I can tell you, I would be if I was great with dice. I'd tell you I was great. With dice. By the way, I actually have a die on me. For, Why do you walk around with a die on you? I didn't even hear this story for this reason, but no. I do have a die on me. D- have you practiced with dice? Um, no, yes, but I'm terrible at it. So, or do I? Did I, I do have a die? But it does make sense that anyway. if but you no, look at what that is, that that's a physical thing, and then if you develop a touch, you develop a feel. You do something over and over and over again. Well, this is different, but here, look. Take the die. Okay. And and uh, can you like uh, put it between your hand or whatever? Okay. Like, uh, and can you mix it like that? Uh-huh. And then squeeze it when you're done. Or no, keep it hidden, but put it on the table. But make sure you can't see it and I can't see it. So you okay. agree like no one could see no that, right? See no one could see it. Are you sure? 100%. Do you want to do it again? Try it no. again. Just no, because no, it good. could be weighted. So just, or you're done. You're worried. good? Yeah. You're good? Yeah. Okay, uh, say a number between one and six. Like, pick a number up five. to six. Okay, that five is what I said on the craps table, right? Yeah. But, but I already know that it's a four. Mm. <laughs> and the five is here, basically. Mm. How do you know that? <laughs> That's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do that again? Mm. Probably not. Oh, you know what we'll do? Stop, but stop whenever you want. Yeah, because it could be like a weighted die. By the way, that's how people cheat with, with dice is they also take the die and they flip it and they want it to be, you know, so it's like you throw the numbers. So you said you wanted a five, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It's five. Get that voodoo away from me, man. <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> 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 That's so weird. That must be a rush for you, though, just to blow people's minds like that all the time. But see, so it's not, you know, I don't think of it. So what happens is the digital fixation part of like the love of just like learning something new and exciting. That's, uh-huh. that's like really the the stimulus is like that that fixation almost. It's like like the meditative thing that you're talking about. But But as a magician that is performing and trying to make TV shows, it's really difficult because you have to like keep coming up with new things, which is... That's hard to do. How did you, know? you first get on television? How did you convince someone to let you try this on television? Well, it, so back in those days, the only magic that you could see, and it, like I said, it was pre, you couldn't go watch it or get it or any, so there's no way to see magic. And right. if you were me with a single mother in Brooklyn or whatever, how are you going to go? There's no yeah. magic show. I never went to a magic show. So what happened was, all of those world's greatest TV specials were playing and they were called world's greatest men and I would watch them and they were like the opposite of that. They were like not, they were like hard to watch, you know, it was like glossy, big, like dynamic and the illusionist is so far away from the whole thing. So I'm like, there's nothing magical about all this. And then, um, so, okay, I, 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 I think about it and I'm like, I, I go through, I'm so but I'm doing magic everywhere all the time. So I'm, one of the ways I'm making money is I'm going into those fancy restaurants in New York City, like those upper Park Avenue. Thing, and I do magic to the, you know, to the manager, to this. And I'm like, if uh, it, can I do magic to the table? And it's like what I did to you there. Like, do the magic. Like, oh, that's great. I was like, could I do magic to the people eating? And I won't ask them for anything. I bought like a nice suit at Century 21, like a $100 jacket. It was ta- you know, but the- anyway, so I, I go up to these tables. And that's a hard situation. Because it's very difficult to approach people that do not want you near them and right. try to figure out how to win with magic. It's a com- And it's like 
even on the street, wherever you do it, it's like a complicated scenario. Once a camera comes up, it changes it because now they're like, oh, he has a camera, it's fine, right? But you'd have to walk up to a table of a, pe- a bunch like us, we're sitting there, and some like, you know, sketchy magician kid right, comes <laughs> up to us, like, hey, can I show you a card trick? And you and I are going to be like nice to him probably, but not really want him around. Right. So what I had to learn quickly was like little things that are so important like distance, like how close should you be to the table or how far? And then you start to really understand the psychology of the magic is way more important than the tricks, right? So if you're too close, you're like over, you're, they don't want you near them. So you, right. you get, you're like, they're like, no, thank you. If you're too far away, it's easy for them to say no, thank you, right? So there's like a balancing point just on where you stand and then who you do the first trick to and then what the first trick is. And so by doing all of this, I started to really figure out how to get reactions from anybody really fast. So I could walk up to anybody, anywhere and just do magic. Like one time I was in um, Central Booking because I jumped the subway thing and they were sweeping everybody up. And there was four guys sitting in the middle playing spades. The only other like kid that looked like me that was in there got the shit kicked out of him, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna get my ass kicked, right? Because I was with a button-up shirt, like, you know, (laughs) anyway. So the guys are sitting in the middle uh, that were playing spades. I grab the, I go, let me show you guys something. I take the, come on. I grab the deck of cards and I start doing magic to the four toughest looking guys in the cell, right? Within two minutes, they're erupting. And once they're erupting, the whole, everybody, because it was central because you're moved here, everybody's standing around going nuts. And then all of a sudden, the guards are there, and now everybody's watching together. And I'm like, this is what the magic show needs to be. Like, whether, <laughs> whether you're like here, or this, whether you're this, that, whether yes. you're young, old, rich, poor, black, white, whatever. Everybody all, wants to see it. No, no, everybody's got a good side. Like, there's, I want to show the that people are all the same, you know? Like, sure, there's some that are horrific and do horrible, but at the core of everybody, there's like an innocent kid somewhere, maybe he got really are lost and magic just pulls that out of people mm. you know and, yeah. the, and that's why and the people say oh well how could you do magic i do magic to anybody because whether it's like visiting underage kids in prison that like you don't know what happens to them and you see them come walking up with their eyes down they don't want to look at you because they, they don't like anybody there that's authority right that's yeah. what ruined their lives and then as soon as you do these tricks suddenly they're like little happy sweet kids uh, you get you know? the you get that and them. that's what and that's what magic did originally yeah. to my mom like i would do it to her and she'd be like reacting and even if she had a terrible day you know she was working three jobs it was yeah. a, this made her happy wow <laughs> that's that's a cool origin story that and it makes sense that that feeling that you get like when you show someone, like in like the card trick you did in the other room, and everybody's like, "Oh, <laughs> that that oh, the oh that you get out of people, that that rush, that's that that is because at that moment, no one's thinking of anything else. At yeah. that moment, they're like, "What the fuck? How did you <laughs> yeah. what? Oh yeah. man!" And by the way, I've walked many times when people were fighting, about to erupt into big fights. I walked into the middle of those fights, started doing magic, and those fights. No, <laughs> I know, but and then the fights were done. <laughs> Because everybody's like, what? Do you want to hear the funniest non-magical magic sure, story? <laughs> okay. Sure. Okay, so after the TV show comes out, stuff like that, I get more known. By the way, so World's Greatest City, but then I was like, okay, let me do the opposite of that. So I called it Street Magic because I was trying to come up with the lowest name. Like I was trying to come mm. up with set okay. the expectations as low as possible, right? Because right? World's Greatest, and you right. see like that. <laughs> so I come up, I'm doing like card tricks, right? But anyway, so 
I'm like driving with my friend in his uh, one of those those smart cars in New York, and it's like the coldest day in New York. It's like freezing, like a February like 12 degrees out type situation, and um, we're, we're stuck at a, at a red light, and there's a, a car with these four people outside of it, and there you could see they're like struggling, like they couldn't get the door open, so they realized they and they didn't they lost their keys, they couldn't figure it out, they couldn't get into their car. Right. But I know that that's not what's going on. Like it's freezing. So I understand the situation. So I go, Doug, stop one second. And I walk up next to these, this group, walk up to the car, pull the door open. But I like it made it look like I'm just pulling it. But I was giving it for the door opens up and it looks like I did nothing. And then I get back in the car and leave. And I hear they go, that's David. And they go, ah! It was like the best trick I ever did, but it was just opening up a door on a frozen night because I knew that it was just frozen. <laughs> but that's the same as what magic is. It's right. like it's like and when yeah. and so the and and the whole so that there's a book called Magic and Showmanship, which is all about like what makes magic effective. And it's called like the ham sandwich. He says if you just said reach in your pocket right now, there's a ham sandwich, that's a good trick. But if you were like, man, I'm hungry, I would love a ham sandwich, and I had already put it there, and I'm like, reach in your pocket, and then there's that's r- real magic. So right. it's just context. That's where it's so baffling. Because then when people walk away, how the fuck did he know I was going to say ham sandwich? <laughs> like the folded car that you somehow or another shoved into Jeff's wrist, into his uh, below his watch. We were all like, okay, what? I... I mean, I know there's something to it. I don't know what you're doing, but that O, the result, the O, is uh, pretty pretty it's phenomenal. Fun. But in that moment, no one's thinking of anything else. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah. well, it's sure. No, but the, there's also a lot of people that are trying to figure it out. They're yeah, skeptic. There's but all they're that. still going, oh, they're not th- <laughs> even if they're trying to figure it out, they're not thinking of anything other than that trick. That right. moment, something. Yeah, they might be trying to figure it out, but they're still. They're not thinking about. Oh, I gotta feed the dog. You know, they're they're, they're thinking about <laughs> that moment. Unless they're like good friends of mine, they're doing magic oh. and they're like, oh, okay, seen it another already. one. <laughs> but <laughs> like, that's been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, we can all get a, too accustomed to things. Yeah. So you you first get on television, you first do these things, and then your magic evolves, and your magic goes from being just magic to some of the more insane things you've done like standing in a block of ice for how long did you do it for 70 like 63 hours because i'm always late so i showed up late so i missed like what i the length of time i was supposed to do so that's all but i'm always late i made it here on time though didn't i you were early yeah yeah perfect i rode i rode the motorcycle here and was flying because i had to make i wanted to be on time so i flew you, you were on time yeah um the the ice thing why? What made you decide to stand oh, in a block of ice okay. for sixty plus well, hours? Well, so I'll tell you that. The, so you, you were saying, how do you go from the magic yes. tricks like to the, these to f- extreme physical endurance and so studying Houdini things. and all that stuff? Yeah. And then there's a poster of Houdini that I loved, where he was it was he was buried alive, but he never did the stunt. He died before he got to do it, but he was going to get buried alive underground in a coffin. So I I stare at I love that poster since I was a kid. It's like in the magic books you see that poster. Yeah. And anyway, so Bill again, the guy I told you about, Bill Kalush, comes up to me and he's like, "What about this?" And he shows me an image of a Indian fakir that was buried alive for a month. He's like, "What if you pretend to be buried alive in Central Park? We'll sneak you out and you'll come back a month later." And I was like, I always wanted to do like Houdini like things, but I never wanted to copy. But that one he never did, so I was kind of like, well, that's interesting, but what if instead of doing it the way he did it, 
what if I did it and everybody could see that I was buried alive? So what if I was really just buried alive? Like, it can't be that hard. He's like, yeah, you can't do that. And I was staying at his place. So we got a coffin from Queens where actually Houdini was buried. I bought a coffin. We brought it back to his house. And then I would just practice sleeping in the coffin. Then suddenly, I, yeah, but I know, but then suddenly I realized you don't eat food. And then if you have a little thing to go to the bathroom, I did four days like nothing. So I'm like, okay, I can do a week. And that was it. And then then I pushed the idea of doing the buried alive and, and convinced people to let me do it publicly. And what's funny is like firemen and stuff like would come to the stunt in the middle of the night and they would shine like holograms at me and their lights and stuff. And they, oh, that's the ice. But, and then they would assume that I wasn't actually in there. Okay, so here, so back to this one. Well, well, let's go, but, but let's let's not jump around. The, so okay. the buried alive thing. Wh- yeah. Where did you do it physically? Where? Um, that was in New York City on the west side. Uh, Trump had like this uh, bunch of properties that he was developing, and I was like, uh, I want to be buried alive on one of your properties. Is that possible? He's like, sure. But he just <laughs> sent me his driver, and I went around, and that's where I did my first stunt, and it and- was. How could they see you though? And then Jimmy Niederlander, who I do, who like oh, there it is, yeah, like there. That. yeah. So it was see through, but right now, and then we put six tons of water on top of it. So that's basically it. And then, so I was there. And how are you getting yeah, oxygen? That, if you, well, there was hole. See those two big holes. So the oxygen was being. See the holes above my head, right uh-huh. there. So the air was being blown in and out. But it, it's pretty straightforward. Like that one's not to me not that impressive. Like if I said to you, you, you just to, laid there for a week. Yeah. But you know what the hard the hard part? I mean, sure, you body and you lose weight and all that. But the hard part of it is, um, the, and you wouldn't you would never anticipate this being the hard part. But if you're not used to like peeing while standing in front of lots of people staring at you, <laughs> it's actually really hard. So, so I'd be buried alive, and I had the trucker's tube on and all that stuff, which is like a con with a catheter or whatever. Uh-huh. And um, and people are there the whole time. Like it suddenly became like an event. And so there was never like, and I was, they were like, oh, we'll cover it so no one can see. I'm like, no, then people are going to think I'm sneaking in and out. So I had to learn. So I would close my eyes, like when you were a kid sleeping and you'd have those dreams, I'd imagine it and it would take me hours and I'd finally be able to pee, right? But then, and by the way, I didn't eat for a few weeks before, so I had no food. So that was the other wasn't an issue. But, um, what happened by midway through the stunt, I'd be waving and smiling and, and like peeing. Like, and it was like nothing, you know? But these are things that you don't consider when you're practicing in your right. coffin in your house. So you you didn't eat for how long? Two weeks before? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, I was always into fasting. I read Siddhartha as a kid. And I had done like a, a week with just water and, you know, knew all that, knew the body's really good with that. So you were comfortable with the fact that you were able to fast and that that wouldn't be yeah. an issue. Yeah. And you were comfortable with the fact that you were getting air. Yeah. And where are you drinking water from? How are you getting water? Uh, I had like a little bit of water in there that I could suck through a thing like that. And that was fine. It was like, it was enough. How much water do you think you drank over the week that you were in there? Uh, I, I don't know. They always say it was like just a little bit, but it was a good amount. It was like, a, I don't know, probably, probably three liters a day or something. I oh, would okay. Yeah. So it's real yeah, water. They say he did tablespoons of water, but no, it was it was, it was was like a normal amount. So was And the then, real... by the way, I did 44 days with nothing but water, and I did nothing but pure H2O, so it's not even like it had minerals in it, and body was full recovery. And my starvation expert, who's like one of the top guys in the world in London, my doctor at the end thought that I was cheating. So, so they put me on an distilled IV. distilled water? 
So it was it's a distilled. company called H2O, and their thing okay. is it's just pure, yeah, dis- exactly. Distilled. Right. So no it had, Right. Yeah. Which, which is irrelevant, by the way. But so I had nothing but pure H2O for 44 days, lost 60 pounds. BMI bone mass index dropped 33%. Yeah, people get that's what I was going to Yeah, have. no no, it was Bring bad. It no, it wasn't yeah. good. Yeah, it wasn't good. But doctor thought I was cheating cuz he's a magician. By the way, my friends that were with me that are, you know, magicians and the guy building, they're like you need to take these vitamins and they hand me a handful of sugary vitamins. And I'm like, "No. It's just because I if I'm going to do it, I want to like actually do it, right?" Right. And um if I would have taken those vitamins, I feel like my metabolism wouldn't have gone into starvation mode, and I, I might have had irreversible damage from it. Mm. So the fact that I actually did it, I went into starvation mode, and the body protects itself. That's interesting. But what I was saying is the starvation expert that now I have a paper published in, in the New England Journal of Medicine with him, which I'm pretty proud about, but um, he, he didn't believe me. So he put me on an IV, and right away the phosphate levels reacted, and I almost went into shock. So I almost actually did die when they refit fed me. So his paper is called the refeeding syndrome. They say like after World War II, when they rescued the from the from the camps, the the Jews and everybody was starving in the camps, and they, a lot of soldiers gave them like candy bars and stuff, and all of a sudden their systems went into shock and they died from not being refed the right way. So, so what is the correct way to refeed someone if they haven't eaten in the You all have those to days? slowly bring them back so that you don't have what happened to me, which is phosphate levels go all crazy. So very small amounts of food. Yeah, but then two days later, I, somebody sent me a trunk from Harrods full of food in London, like a friend, and uh, <laughs> and I was giving it to all the nurses and doctors because I knew I shouldn't eat it, and I was trying to do it right. Then, like, in the middle of the night, I woke up and had, like, a bag of potato chips, right? And then um, a bag of creatures, and I was wrecked. It was, like, the most pain. So I also didn't go to the bathroom for a month and a half. What? Think about that. <laughs> so how long does it take you to recover from one of these things? That one I feel like I never fully recovered from, but like so? a, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend anybody does that. Like goes like super super long with no food. But but by the way, so the when recovery. When you say you, did, you don't think you ever recovered, yeah, what do you I mean just, by that? Yeah, my my body always goes like this now. It's always confused when I like train. I go up down really quick, really easy, and it was since that. So because your body like, your body freaked out because I it went into starvation like, mode. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, you know, but there's no way to prove that, but. Um, That's a common thing, though, with people who cut weight for fights. Really? Yeah, they they get to a certain point when they have kidney failure, and yeah, the, yeah, and then their That's body. What ha- right, exactly. That's what yeah. happened to me, and I keep having problems with my kidneys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a spot on my kidney right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. that's uh, that's a real common one with guys. Uh, Daniel Cormier actually had to drop out of the Olympics because of that. I didn't know that his kidneys failed. Yeah, kidney failure is a big one with uh, with fighters. Kidney stones too for a lot of guys who mm-hmm. cut weight. So you that was probably in your opinion the one that damaged you the most, or left the most residual. Damage. So the most difficult one was the ice, by far. the The ice was a monster, and the reason why was because. And now there's also something great about it. So it, it was a warm November, so the air coming through was like, you know, it, it happened to be a 68-degree three-day spread, which led to the ice keep dripping the cold on me, and it's radiating this way. But I'm also standing up in one spot completely still, and you can't sleep because if you fall asleep and you're present to ice, you get frostbite. You have to cut your skin off, right? So I'm staying completely awake the entire time. 
And it's a difficult situation on our 55, exactly. Or if I look back at all of it, my friends knew my eyes just go out and I'm now hallucinating like you could never, ever, it, there, no hallucinogenic drug will ever give you those kind of hallucinations. Like what was it? First of all, it's amazing, but it's also when it goes into that nightmare part, it's scary. But there's also that amazing part of it. And if you have people after that stunt, now whenever I hallucinate on stunts, I have friends there that I say I'm going to start hallucinating. Just talk me through it. But so here's when I started realizing that I was hallucinating because you don't know when you are, right? Um, and by the way, the one stunt I never did was sleep deprivation. If you remind me, I'll explain that whole thing, but I won't, I'll forget. But so... Um, so what happens is when I started realizing it is I need to know, uh, like what time it is. Cause I'm done at 10 PM cause it was live on ABC. So I'm like, I need to know how much longer I got to go through this. Right. Cause it's getting tough. So, and it's there, the, by the way, and my doorman would come and like news or whatever, Fox news said, David Blaine, um, is not really in the, I, they did a special on it, a, a, an hour long special on Fox saying that I was never in the ice and I had a double of me that was in the ice and I was switching up and down with them while eating burgers and reading Fox the news. Fox News yeah, did that? Yeah, no, Fox. Oh, Fox, Fox, the TV station. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So they did, but they did a one-hour special that I was never in there. So my doorman- How do they get away with doing that? I don't know. I don't care. But listen, so my <laughs> doorman, my doorman who comes to, this is the funny part though. So my doorman that comes to see me, he he's- um. He knows me so well, and he was at Buried Alive, and he's so nice, right? So he comes to visit me in New York, and uh, he, he walks up to the ice, and he sees me, and he's looking at me all weird. I wasn't hallucinating it. He's looking at me all weird, then he leaves. And then when I go back, I was like, what's up? He's like, that, are you sure that that was you and ice? Could that have been you? I was like, what do you mean, Eddie? He's like, okay, well, it's, you know, so he, we go on. That special airs. Now he's convinced that it wasn't me. And I the special airs while you're still no, in no, the No, no, no. That's after. But okay. he already thinks because he, he doesn't believe it. My friends, my best friends when I was buried alive, they didn't think I was really doing it. They thought it was a trick. Right. So so he he asked me, he's like, There's n was that really you? Because they said that you were a double of yourself and you were switching. And I was like, Eddie, but you looked at me like... How could, if I have a twin brother, like where is that identical twin brother? And why, why would I switch up? So anyway, but so back to the, um, back to the when I get to fifty-five hours. So I'm looking around and I need the time. So I go like this, like what time is it? And the guy goes four o two. Yeah, so okay. he shows me four o two. So I'm like, okay, that means we have like another six hours or whatever it is, right? By the way, my time estimations were so was, I'm like, okay, wait. Or it might have been two hours. I wait, I wait, I wait, and I wait, and I'm in door. It's hard. I'm like, things are moving. Everything's weird. Spiders are walking up. People are like sitting in the ice. I'm waiting, waiting. Voices are talking to me that I'm talking back to, right? But I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I wait for like a few hours before I ask anybody the time again. And I see somebody, and I'm like, and the guy, and the guy goes, four oh three. Oh no! <laughs> and that's when it all crashed out. It was like when that when I, 
that connection and then the hallucinations were just rampant and my eyes were all crazy when the drill was when the chainsaw was coming through i tried to grab it <gasps> yeah so yeah see look at that oh you're gone <laughs> but okay but so but now that i've learned that sleep deprivation is one of the most amazing ways if it's controlled to go to another place it's like the, the I've native heard that, but yeah. i want to but i want to get to that before we get to that like while you're in there what are you doing to occupy your mind like uh, how are you, did you have were you using meditation were you just thinking were you just winging it like so okay so for some of them what i do a big first of all yeah a lot of things you get to you have free time to think like there's no phones no right. distractions so aside from the physical but but the one thing that I use with everything is kind of like a breakdown of numbers. I'm like, okay, I have this much, I have to get to this point. Then when I get to this point, even when I run on a treadmill, I'm like, okay, I have to get to this point, which means let me get to the halfway point right. and I'll consider that. When I'm holding my breath, I do the same thing. I'm like, okay, I need to get to 15 minutes, so let me get to seven and I'll start at seven. Then at seven, I'm like, okay, I'm at seven left. I have to get to another three and a half, then three and a half. Right. And then what I always do is whenever I'm training, I always go past it. So it's the same thing. So like when I'm running a treadmill, I'm like, if I have to do, let's say like, you know, 3.1, whatever it is, I set that as my target, but then I always go like another half a mile past it because I won't, you can't quit before because then you'll be in the mindset that, okay, I can stop before. So like anything that I do, I use numbers to get there. I get halfway and then I push the goal further every single time, no matter what, mm. which is, so it's a mathematical system, ironically. So you're, you're, you don't necessarily have any sort of meditative techniques. You're just concentrating on the numbers. Meditation for breath holding all the mm, time. Right. Every time I do a breath hold, but not it's all meditation. Now the ice was kind of there was like a breathing thing, and I didn't really know much about it back then. But I was like more like fighting it. Like, a, what is it like on your ankles or your knees and your back? Everything swells up like edema, really bad, and all that stuff. And the pain is excruciating and unbearable. But yeah, it's. I mean, you, you're waiting. You and know? you didn't have any residual effects of that. Just my ankles and legs were really swollen. Just for I a few days for, or so. Uh, longer than that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, has anybody ever tried to break that? Uh, I don't know. I hope not. Not because I want, I don't care about how long. I just don't want anybody to hurt themselves. But like, I would imagine like someone does something so high profile like you did that, that people would be like, hmm, I'm going to try that. I mean, I think it's too weird. So people aren't really like, oh, I want to do that. But there's billions of people. I would imagine that someone would step in and try to emulate that. Obviously, it was so. I, I pray not. And that's why I pray my daughter never becomes a magician, even oh. though she's so amazing at it. Because if she started doing these things, I like if she's going to bump her knee, I'm like, I have a heart attack, you know? Well, that's the problem with being a parent, right? Yeah. You, the things that make you amazing are your ability to overcome adversity, and then you shelter your children from <laughs> adversity. You know, it's all my favorite people are all, they all came from a very tumultuous childhood. They all came from like turmoil and no one wants that for their child. You want to protect your children. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's very weird. So what other ones have you done where like while you were doing it, you were thinking, what the fuck have I done? Because you're committed. Oh, there was one that it, don't don't pull this one up. <laughs> Don't pull this one. <laughs> it was called the dive of death. And I started to get cocky. I'd done like the thing in London. I'd done like the water tank. I'd done. So I started to get too cocky, right? 
I didn't have time, and ABC wanted the show really quick. I was like, okay, I'm going to go upside down for uh, 60 hours, three days, whatever, right? I was going to be upside down. And then um, and then I, some guy was in a parachute upside down on a tree in Italy, and he was in the hospital because he was three days upside down in the tree. And I was trying to speak to him, but he was like not – didn't want to talk at all. And then they were like, "It's his situation's really bad. So it kind of like set the tone before I did the thing. The situation's really bad. like the, From being upside down for that long. What happened so to him? I, I think he's, the blood – I think it, I think it does – I, I I don't know because he didn't I didn't get to ask they wouldn't tell me but mm. he wouldn't also engage in a, it was bad that I know it was like in the news it was bad um, I don't know what the permanent repercussion but so when I did this thing upside down in New York I didn't practice it I thought I could just wing it my stunt guy who taught me to jump off the pole he's like you can never ever just go wing something and not dial it in and rehearse and figure it out you can't just go do it. It's a you'll, you you can't hope for luck, and that was the first one ever and last one that I was like, okay, let me just hope that I can do this. And as soon as I went upside down, remember I said you could never prepare for certain things. Yeah, I had that catheter hooked up, and the first time I peed, it just went upside down all over me, so this way, and I was like, I'm done. So the whole stunt went downhill for there. That was like, <laughs> that was a great learning lesson because I learned you never just dial it in. Don't, Did you, you to... make it through that one? No, yes, but it was terrible. It was a garbage stunt. Yeah, so, but you were asking me like what things, so, so that was one that was like, oh. You, you're... But all of the others. They were amazing. The team, that working with the best people, all of it. And this one is the most amazing. Like, I have a team that's... The one you're doing right now. I have the most amazing... I've never been able to ha have a team like this. This ever. is the balloon one. Yes. Okay, explain this. Okay, so I went to YouTube with a crazy idea, who, by the way, this is YouTube, and they've been a blessing beyond beyond so i'm like okay here's what i want to do like i want to grab a bunch of balloons and go floating up into the sky and disappear like okay great <laughs> okay sure <laughs> right but so now i need it to ascend this is all hypothetical i'm not like a skydiver like that has a thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand jumps i'm not a balloon pilot i have no experience in any of this stuff i just know that i want to do this and i've wanted to do it forever but i i had drawings of it made 15 years ago but now you have to get for real so there is a guy that flies balloons, and there's a guy like Lawn Chair Larry that went up on balloons with like a lawn chair and a bunch of beer. That was his ballast, and he like popped balloons with a gun. So there are examples. So it's not like a complete hypothetical. This one has like, okay, so what if I could take the balloons, that idea, and just have the innocent image of a kid like we all dream of just holding the balloons and drifting up and into the sky. Here, I'll show you a picture of it. <laughs> What's that What's that one from? Uh, from their website. From whose website is that, Jamie? Balloon, balloon company. Balloon company. Right. So that's that's my balloons. Is that you up there? Yeah, we yeah we did um we did short flights, not big in public. We kept it small. Can I so, show these to Jamie? Uh, no. I don't know. I well, yeah. yeah. To him, and I then can show one. Show uh, can you show it to I the people? Like I'm no. Not sure. All right, then don't. Wait, that's my balloons. Yeah. Oh, well, that's Instagram. on, but that, yeah. that's the end it's of it. It's not him so doing it yet. It's just a picture Right. Of so this is, but I, 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 I think maybe, maybe not. And it, but anyway, so, so, okay, so it starts with just the idea of that. But now I have to go get a hot air balloon pilot license. So I go meet with the best hot air balloon pilot 
instructor and also flyer. But isn't that the different situation than a hot air balloon because you don't have the ability to control? You have to first get your hot air balloon pilot ah, license. So you have to okay. learn how to fly and land a balloon, which is amazing, right? Cool. It's like so apt. And then you have to take that written test. And I don't have time because I'm trying to do so much. So I had to cram study the whole written test in eight hours with a, a guy helping me. I studied the whole thing, went to the airport, took the test, got that. Then you need to go get your gas restriction lifted, which means because, and very few people even ever bothered to do this because who's flying hydrogen or helium nowadays? Right? So I went and met this guy, Bert Padelt, who's the best gas balloonist in the world. He's the one that built around the world in 80 days. He's built every balloon that's done the longest flights and you fly. Now, a hot air balloon, you're like, right? You have to control it and it's, Helium and hydrogen, you're just part of the wind. You're literally just floating away. And it'll keep going up to 84,000 feet until they pop there. Like, you are just floating. Like I can't explain that feeling of floating. Anyway, so I had to go learn how to fly and land hydrogen balloons and the, the, use hydrogen because helium's more expensive and stuff like that. Now, we have to go test the whole rig. So now... And, and at the same time, I have to also try to get as close to 500 jumps out of an airplane because I need to be really comfortable in the air. If I have to jump out and land, I need oh, to land safely. Jesus. Right. And when you're up at 25 plus thousand feet, you don't know oh, where you are. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So now and by the way, the video. Did you see the video I made for you? You didn't see it. No. You made a video for me? Yeah, because when you did the thing with Post and, and you and Post was like, he's not real and you were defending me, I was like, um, not that I was defending. Uh, hold on, I made a video. I sent it to Matt. I texted it to him. I didn't get a video. He didn't show did it to you? Did you get a video? No. Hold on. I made you this video. So this is me yelling from the plane. And by the way, this is after the wingsuit guys jump out of the airplane. So remember, I'm also cr crushing lots of jumps really fast. This is when I ran into a fence and almost killed myself. And the, Luke, who's the best in the world that has 25,000 ju more jumps, jumped from 25,000 feet without a parachute and landed in a net. I saw uh, that. Yeah. So he's the guy coaching me. So he's the one filming this. And he landed at the state troopers patrol thing because we were so far lost. And I ended up trying to make it back, almost hitting the trees really, really close, and then crashing into a fence. My legs were all bloodied up, ripped through the thing, flipped over, landed, and I was fine. That was recent. I was like, and, and the reason why is because I was making you this video, a complete truth. <laughs> and I'll, but I'm going to explain it to you. So to make the video, I had to wait till the wingsuits were out of the plane because they're last, right? But that means, and by the way, the conditions, you'll see what they were like in a second. So the plane's moving really, really far away, right? Because it's still going. That means the drop zone is way over there. Right. And I made the video and it was longer than I said it was going to be. And then when we jump, we're like lost in the clouds and I see the only hole. So I fly through the hole. And now because I flew through that hole, we're so far away from everything. And I should have followed Luke and went to the state patrol thing. But I was like, no, I'm going to make it just back. And but so here's the video I made you, though. Can we play it for other people? Yeah. Okay, here, why don't you airdrop it to Jamie? Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on. So let me uh, airdrop. Isn't that funny though? It's pretty wild. <laughs> but you don't. I'm just even... bummed out that I didn't get this before. Oh well, yeah. So I was gonna like post it or something. And I asked him if I should, and he's like, "Well, wait, because maybe you'll just do the show." So I think that's why he didn't mm. maybe or something. Mm. 
like I don't why well, I, I don't know. But hold on. Maybe it got lost in the email or something. It might have gotten to one of those uh, that the email dumps get pretty big sometimes. The point where I can't keep up. Is it Young James? Mm -hmm. <laughs> young Jamie. <laughs> young James. Okay, so that's that one. But then I'm going to show you the rest of the shot. But you might have to scroll through it to get to it. But um, I'll show you. The, but by the way, it's the most amazing. Thing. So I'll show you the rest of that shot. And then you'll see where he landed and where I landed. So I'm going to send you first the pretty version of it. You guys can like cut through or whatever, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to edit. I'm going to just send you like the full and then you'll look through. Uh, so here's another one. When is this one supposed to be? In two weeks. In two weeks. Yeah. And do you have to take into consideration the wind, the like, what, what the current? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Temperature. And, and that's why we can't like confirm a location because winds right. determine everything. Yeah. So even though now I'm at like, you know, almost 400 jumps, the winds still decide where you go. Oh, here. So. All right, here we go. Did you get that other one? I, I only got one. Okay. Just want to make sure. This is the one you want me to play. Uh, well, that's the first one. So we, I can do okay. this airdrop yeah. comeback? Sure. Okay. Okay, check this out. Joe Rogan, the breath holding is for real. And if you want to see a little bit about it, watch my last YouTube video. But Joe, I hope to come show you in person because that might actually save my life. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, okay, but so you see the clouds. Now, hold on. This one's going to come. Hold so on. you're hanging on to a plane. How high are you there? No, that was just, I don't know, like 13,000 or oh, something. Oh, nothing. No, no, but I went to, no no, to 25,000. I know. 000 I remember you tell me. Yeah. Yeah, but still. But you're still 13,000 feet off the air hanging yeah. on to a plane and you jump off. Maybe it's another one. Maybe it's this one. It's uh, hilarious that you're like, oh, it's only 13,000 feet hanging on to the wing of a plane that I let go on video. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you need to see. I, can, I can't play it here, though, right, and show you like this. We have to airdrop because it's going airdrop slow. Airdrop is better because well, of, first is it going send, slow. Well, I just want to send this one that shows like how spectacular, but I could just well, send this one that's not as big, which explains what's going on. So hold on. Now, but we, which one? Because there's three young James. Uh, the MacBook Pro. Young Jamie. MVP. But there's three MVP. It doesn't matter. Just click one and it should work. Now, when you decide to do something like this, do you get an inspiration and then you consult people to see if it's feasible? Like, well, how does so, this... I, so, so that's where I was lucky. So I, what I was saying is I come up with the idea and then I find a guy. His name is Jonathan Trapp. He's the one that tried to cross the Atlantic with healing for balloons. And But, I mean, he has – it's like a – full system he has a basket so it's like a real balloon like a hot air balloon system with so nobody's ever done it where they just float where their bodies are the basket you know right. what i mean so he had the whole system and then he came and tested it out and i was like could i go try it like this and he's like no we're not ready you'll kill yourself or whatever and you're hanging on to the rope yeah but i'm gonna make sure that i i'm not gonna have a parachute on and i'm gonna i'll i'll have a system so i'm completely secure so i'm not gonna fall off but i'm not gonna wear the parachute because i don't want to be I want it to look like a kid just holding on to balloons. So, like, right. that visual is the important part. So the parachute's up in the balloons. But once I get above, like, a, a thousand feet or so, I'm going to put the parachute on oh, in the Jesus. air. So you're going to put it, the parachute on while you're up there. Yeah, and then I want to see if how high I can go. 
See? <laughs> how that, do you, how, how do you think part, you can go? Well, so the highest thing on earth is Mount Everest. Right. So that's kind of my goal, but I have to be careful because if you if you're if you don't come back down, you're dead. So if you can't get down from there, that's that zone is like the death zone. So from mm. like 25,000 to 30,000 is very very dangerous. You can black out like this. So I'm going to do a couple more hypoxic tests and see if I'm right. I'll have emergency stuff up there like oxygen if I need it, but I don't want to floating use around it with you up there in the balloons. Yeah, <laughs> we have like the <laughs> But wait, it's not. Dude, your loved ones panic when you start plotting things like this? My daughter asks questions. How old is she? Nine. And she asks great questions. And um, the, the plate, the tail number of the plate is for me and her. So it's N for number, but nine for her age, 47 for my age, and then DB for me and her. We're both Dessa and David Blaine. But, um, which is the balloon that has, I made, you, this has to be a registered aircraft. So we had to get it registered. We had to fly it up. We had to prove that it's completely safe. We had to land it with nobody on it. So the body, one time that I went, wasn't me. It was sand that weighed exactly what I weighed. We had to remote dump the sand. We had to use squibs to remote pop the balloons, fly it over. And this is at 22,000 feet. And fly squibs, it, what, is, what is controlling it? Pops it? Ra- but is it radio? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. And I, I, I have the whole team helping me that did like Alan Eustace when he jumped and Felix Bumgartner when he jumped from the edge of space. So we have Don Day, the best meteorologist. So he do they have the to weigh pay- you before you oh, get on? Yeah, so it's, it's precision. Exactly- it's precision. Mm-hmm. And then... So we had to fly it all the way up to 22,000 feet as proof that this aircraft is actually completely doable and then remote land it exactly where Don Day predicted we were going to land it. And we've done that multiple times. We've flown it. We've deployed the the, the imitation. There's I've a flown massive it. amount of time it. involved in constructing one of these things and orchestrating it. Time and team. And yeah. team is everything. So it'd be like you when you have like the best trainers, if you had like your five best in the world, like tweaking you before fights like that. So, so when, when you plan on doing something like this, did you bring this up to, to these folks? These are the first people, the, the people that you're doing it with. These are the people that you brought it up to the first time. Yeah. Nobody said, get the fuck out of here with this. Nope. Went straight to so, YouTube, and I was like, I have this idea. So you idea. went to these guys, and uh, they, did and they hesitate at all? No. They're, they're amazing. That, that's or crazy. It's one of <laughs> right. It is also crazy it's also because crazy. it is just a hypothetical yes. idea that's insane. That's yeah. true. And they did let me like, but there were stages. I had to prove each step. So I had to prove mm. that number one, the balloon is doable. Number two, I'm not going to hopefully kill myself. Number three, I can actually get the. Ju- oh, and then for the skydives, by the way, because I had to get 500 jumps really quick. And this is all during the last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so insurance wouldn't cover that. I mean, they would cover, but it's not affordable. So I had to do five, almost 500, 400 jumps or so with no insurance. You know oh, what I mean? Jesus. And so that's a whole separate thing that's not related. So I had to go do them for my own as fun and do everything through my own. You, you see what I mean? So yeah. it's crazy. It's all nuts. Because you think of Sky, and you think like, oh, you have the best coach. It's fine. But there's still like when you're trying to do 15 jumps a day, it's like you can – do what I did, which is try to avoid hitting an airplane in a hangar and turn too low and come whacking down. And, and when like, did you come <laughs> up with this idea? Uh, I mean, I think it was like inspired when I was a kid. I think like the idea of like the little boy drifting right. in balloons. So I think it was like 
but, but I never really thought of it as a reality. But then 15 years ago or so, I had drawings made of it. So I started having dra- – I'll show you the drawings. I can't open it on there or whatever. So when did you put it into motion? Um, like It was never even possible until YouTube said, okay, we'll back this. Because the idea is like all of my other stunts, there's like the budget's pretty very – you know, mm-hmm. not – you couldn't afford to do something like right. this. This is to build, test a flight, build an actual aircraft, fly it, land it get all the jumps, learn how to do everything, get all the skill set, have the so this is but that's the first drawing. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you drew this when you were I didn't draw it. Oh someone else did. Yeah, Mark Stutzman who's an amazing artist that did my poster for this thing, which I'll show you. So that Can I was, send this to Jamie? Yeah, it's not working, but you can try. Airdrop's not working? Uh yeah, I thought know. something weird was happening when he was trying to do it. I, I can but maybe the picture will go. Okay. If not, I can restart the phone and maybe it'll work. Was it showing up for you, Jamie? No, right? Let me restart the phone. There's a lot of... Uh, okay, now it says it's waiting. There's like so many MacBook Pros. You got it? Yeah, there's okay. three. Of, oh, it went? Yeah, someone went through. Okay, then I'll also send... Oh, but wait, so should I also show you the poster that I had made? Which sure. Is, okay. Um. So you you come to YouTube... Powerful YouTube. They come up with this idea. I mean, they, they agree with this ama- idea. They're, they're like, just Let's amazing. Do it. The That's the original, but this is the latest one. So, oh. Did you send that one to him, too? Yeah. I'll send it to you, Jamie. It's coming through right now, supposedly. I think it's like I have to accept them for some reason. It doesn't just go. Is it showing up for you? No. I think I should restart the phone because those videos, too, I want to send. There it goes. Okay. How did you get it to go, though? Which one did you press? I don't know. There's so many of them. It doesn't make any sense. Your but, phone is being but, monitored uh, by the government. They're cloning <laughs> all but the I text wanna, Hold on. I want to try to send this video so I could explain making your video, if that's possible. <clears throat> but did when you... Oh, now it's preparing it. So now okay, it might work. beautiful. Now it's going through. You have it coming Excellent. right now? Because it says it's converting, so it might be coming. We're waiting for an accept on this, so. Okay. As soon as I get that. So you bring this to YouTube. And how long ago was it? Uh, Like a year and a half ago or something like they that. They say, yay, let's do it. We're fucking crazy. I, so, <laughs> I, yeah. And, and I, also, I, it's probably going to have 100 million people watch it, so it seems like a good idea. I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, let's I see. do. Yeah, I don't know. You're going to float around in a fucking balloon hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are going to watch it, man. I don't know if that's true. Oh, but, I'm, I would, I'll bet on it. But this one, by far, is my favorite that I've ever done. It's the most visual, the most colorful. It's, mm. it's the first one that I've ever done where my friends are like, I want to do that. Really? They're not like, why do you do that? You know so what I mean? You're but holding you, on. But you know, all the other stunts I do, people are like, like I, that's it's great that you're doing it, but that's crazy. Or why are you doing it? This one, they're like, I want to ride the balloons. Because <laughs> it's such a childhood sort <laughs> yeah. of. Uh, there, there you yeah, go right like, there. so it'll be like that. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. So it'll look just like that. And, and what, how is I'll, it? I'll, are I'll, you harnessed? Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it'll be like a little thing that connects at my wrist, which like the way the mm-hmm. aerialists have a connection. And then it's I'll have a connection connected to your body, your torso somehow? Yeah, it'll be connected somewhat. Through your it's, crotch? Yeah, hopefully. Like it's a, a nightmare. Sky, yeah. Something, yeah, because when you get up to like minus, you know, 
20 degrees or whatever, you, mm-hmm. you, you'll be non-functional up there. So right. you can't just rely. Well, you can't gonna, really rely on your hand anyway no, I could, after a no, no, certain no, I, point. I, no, no, I was pract- I If I had to do this up to like, you know, two to 3,000 feet, I could. Cause you can Holding also, on. Yeah you, yeah, you can ascend. You can also do what, you know, just put something around your foot, like the the wires could come down. Okay, so something so around your foot would just be to so help. just to take yeah, some of the weight just off. Just to help. It. Yeah, so yeah. it's doable. Right. Yeah, and then... And but how long can you actually hang, though? Like, I mean, it's really it's, hard to hang really, for more than a couple of minutes. It's hard to hang for more than a minute. I think like the record is like two minutes. But what? I with one so. hand, you mean? Yeah, with one hand. Oh, okay. But this has to look the whole. That this has to look like the one-handed right. image of the person floating. Right. It yeah. has to be exact. So. Right. You'd have to have some freaky forearms, yeah. Popeye. Yeah. Style so I'll have assistance built, but I, so I won't have a parachute or any of that stuff. That'll be above me, so it'll look really clean. But I'll be supported now. If there's a balloon failure or something like that, obviously I'm in trouble. Um, obviously. But once I get the parachute on, once I get to five thousand feet. Then we know, okay, he's not going to die. He has a parachute on. I can get away. And now the big challenge is how high can you go? So once you get – how are you going to know? Do you have an altimeter on the – I'll have an altimeter, but I'm also going to have a communication. I'm okay. full everything. Okay. So I'm going to have cameras with me for the – Are you using a watch for the altimeter? Or like what are you using well, to – Well, I'm using this one called Dekunu right now, but it's big. Okay, so sure. No, but I was – I've been jumping with Suntos and things mm-hmm. just to check how accurate they are. And they're not bad. They're like off by like 200 feet or something like that. Mm-hmm. But on the landing, you don't want to be off. You know, yeah. especially if you're like me, you don't even, you only have 400 jumps, not even, right? Right. So, it, and you're landing in dicey areas because you don't know where you are, right? Right. So, a gust of wind can throw you here or there. Yeah, anything. But you also have to like not hit a power line or a building or an obstacle or anything wherever you are, right? If you if you come down into a mountain, you're gonna whack into that. It looks flat mm. from here, but if you didn't adjust, you're gonna come in hard, and that's it. You'll eat yeah. it, right? If you hit a power line, you're dead. So yeah, those types of things we have to like, and which is why uh, when I'm controlling the balloons and going up and up and up and up and up, um. I'm going <laughs> to hopefully be fine. Hopefully. Yeah. You're scaring the shit out of me already. So at 5,000 feet, you how do you get the parachute? Um, it's up there in the balloons, and I'm going to pull it down. It's on like a fishing wire thing. I pull it down, and then I put it on. That's the only like really difficult thing as far Have as Have you like done this major. already? You've practiced that, that aspect I've of it? I've practiced it, and that's like really scary to everybody around. Oh, yeah. Like they, they're asking me, why won't I just wear the thing? Like everybody. Yeah. They're like, you You have to wear it. <laughs> and you don't want to wear it. And my brother's really obsessed with it. My daughter's new question is, how come you're not wearing the parachute? But I'm, but I'm telling her it's fine. But so. you haven't, have you done this transition yet where you go from floating to putting the parachute on? No, that'll be done live the first time. Oh, Jesus, This whole David. thing will be done the first time live, and I've never done it in completion. I've done all of the elements of it. So I've done the jumps. I've done the balloon flights. I've flown the rig, but I've never put it all together. That's all going to happen for the first time <laughs> live on YouTube. Mm. <laughs> My God. And so once you get the, the vest on, once you get the, the parachute on, then the goal is to see how high you can get up. Yeah, and once that's you get, the part that I'm obsessed with. When you get to the area of 30,000 plus feet. <sighs> no, 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 you can't cross there. I mean, I, I just want to get, the goal is I, I, if I get up to like 20, 
5,000 feet, I'm, I'm excited. Okay. Because that's where the ice, I want to disappear. Like, I actually want the visual to be that I disappear into the sky. <laughs> okay. So you get up to 25,000. But I'm not going to kill myself doing it. So I hope not. I won't. Okay. I believe you. But this one is different than I'm going to have the O2 things. Than... By the way, you can't send the O2 pulse oximeter signals down so they won't know if I'm hypoxic, but I'm going to have the O2 monitors in my pocket. I'm going to put them on. I'm going to show them to but the camera. They to... can still communicate with you? Yeah. Through... Now, if they can't, that's a big issue. So if communication fails, then this is, for me... Communication it's... is done through what? Uh, RF, this this incredible guy that builds all of the communication for every skydiving stunt mm -hmm. movie. So he's... The same way noodles. that a plane can communicate with the ground. Yeah, right. yeah, it's, it's something. It's, yeah, and I have, I have a transponder up here. I have everything. Mm -hmm. So the okay. planes, I'm visible. Everybody knows where I am. Okay. We're clearing everything with the FA, the ATC. So everything is going to be, you know, completely organized as it needs to be. We have a wind path in every location that we're going to possibly do this in. Of course, New York is a dream, and there's some other dreams that we have. So we'll, you know, this is right. still. We have a couple of key points that we're dreaming about doing this, and. Uh, Depending on wind and weather, that's where we'll do it. And how do you get, how do you descend? Um, just let go of some, you're yeah. just going to just completely yeah, just drop release off? myself, yeah. So you're going to skydive at 25,000 feet? Yeah. By the way, when I did Whoa. the, when I did the, I told you when I did that uh, test, when I went up to 20, almost 20, 24, 7 or whatever, I had the uh, the helmet on. The first breath I took, the entire thing was ice oh, right Jesus. away. So, and I was flying down, looking through like a little hole in the, hel oh, in the helmet. You know, I couldn't see. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And so, when you land, you have to land. I mean, you're from twenty five thousand feet. You have to make sure that you're conscious. You have to make sure that you can see. That's right. But usually, by the way, even if you are hypoxic and you're dropping. You clear up at like 10,000 feet. So Luke Aikens, the, who you watch, he did a jump once w where he was jumping with Felix Bumgartner, who he trained, and he was um, out of, he was hypoxic. He was blacked out. But when he got to about 9,000 feet or so, he woke up. And then from, <laughs> yeah, but from 9,000 feet down, you have, you know, 40 seconds to figure out where you are and what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It seems, it still seems fucking terrifying. Um, and so then you're you're floating down, and you have to <clears throat> find a good spot to land. And when are you going to do this? Like, what's the the official launch date? Is it August thirty one? Hundred percent. Depending on winds. Depending on winds. So if the winds are fucked on August thirty first, yeah, you push we'll, it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. the other thing YouTube's been amazing on. There so. it is. Yeah, David see? Blaine, Ascension YouTube Originals, <laughs> August thirty first. Yeah, that's basically what it's. I love that like. YouTube stepped up to do this. But yeah, I'm, it I'm, is amazing. It is amazing. Look at you floating above the cloud in that image, and that's literally what you're going to be doing. <laughs> yeah. That's so fucked. <laughs> but also the thing about this one, aside from like the the technical part of it, is like. The, the visual on it so yeah. far is my favorite one. Yeah, like, it's like, like it, up, like when they did it. With yeah, the but when I movie. But, but when I look at the balloons, I become like giddy. Like, and all these adults are working, we're all like laughing because we're like little, we're like kids playing right. with balloon. You know, it's <laughs> like it's iconic. It's something that every kid has kind of thought of. Yeah, yeah, grabbing a balloon and, and flying floating to the away, air like Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Wow, man. And that was my daughter's nickname when she was growing up. We called uh, Mary, the real Mary Poppins. <laughs> she was a real Mary Poppins. And we'd put a balloon up and we'd always watch it and dream and talk about where it goes and stuff like that. What is it like for her to when you discuss things, these things She's so amazing. I run ideas by her. She's amazing. Really? Yeah. She's wow. amazing. By the way, the reason there's pink balloons in this one is because I was showing her all the balloons. And she went, is there going to be pink? And I was like, of course there's going to be fake. And now there's fake. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Wow. Now, you have you been doing live shows this whole time? Or are you, are you able to with COVID? Not during COVID, no. Yeah. But right up to COVID, I was doing live. And that I, I haven't been promoting or anything, but it's like my favorite thing. Because I've been working on the live show for 20-some years. And I've never done one until like the last few years. Like started like three years ago is the first time I did that, which is crazy, right? Cause, yeah. But I finally felt like I had the right material to make a good show. And the show is so, it was, it's so, it's like I open it with the mouth sewing. So the first thing is like, a, but I bring people up so it's also comical. It's like funny, right? Like joking around and stuff and you see people like, ah. Yeah. Now when you say mouth sewing, you actually sew your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah, and you do that at how many nights a week? One? Uh, no. So I so I would do two days on, one day off. But every day of a show means you can't eat for thirty six hours before the show because I also have to put a gallon of water in my stomach. I have to put a cup of kerosene. But now I don't swallow the kerosene. I put it in my mouth now and spit it. So I don't swallow. But on Jimmy uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I drank this stuff, and it's like really, really. That's how the guy died, Haji Ali. That I told you. Mm. So now um, I just put it in the mouth, spit it. But see, I, and then I do the frogs in the stomach. I put the hanger all the way down the throat to fetch somebody's ring. I um, I do the breath. Hold, I do the breath hold every single night. And um, and then you, and then I push the, the I, and then I have them push an ice pick through my arm every night, which is like you don't want to hit a brachial, you know, anything, a nerve, right? yeah. yeah, or an artery or yeah, anything, of course. So, but I and I let them choose a spot. By the way, I also brought the ice pick if you do do want to see because I I know that you know it's real, but I should. If you, oh, I believe it's real. But I still if you, you want to see it. I haven't done it. I haven't done it since my tour. Really? Yeah. Are you itching to do it? Is that what's I mean, going I'd on here? like you to do it. I'd like you to do it just to see that it is like pretty straightforward. Oh, I believe it's straightforward. But I brought one with me, and I got the alcohol from the. So here is uh, look at that girl, <laughs> poor girl. And so you're stitching yeah, that's your the mouth, mouth shut. exactly. Yeah. But so see, the, so what I was able to do with the stage show is I bring people up on stage, and I have the cameras with the big screen, so you see people reacting to this stuff. Yeah. So it's the magic plus the reaction. So you get that whole. And this girl's really into it. Look at her. <laughs> so you you do this all the time. The stitching the mouth shut, I would imagine you would accumulate some scar tissue. No, I, that one's easy, but this really? one's legit. This one what I used to do one? it through the hand. This is the ice pick. This one I oh. used to do through the hand, the and I developed so much scar tissue that, like, when I move my fingers a certain way, I get a shooting pain. So I stopped doing the hands, and I switched to here. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, I would I would imagine that would really fuck your hands up. Alcohol pads from the, from the, from the COVID <laughs> test. <laughs> So wait, but so I might have to sit next to you or something. Do you want me to do this to you? Is this yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, I can come over to your side. Okay. But Is why? that okay? D okay. All right. All right. But wait, don't you need the, or you can put those on? I'll just come walk over. So should I take the thing off? You can if you like. We'll both be uh, basically talking into the same microphone. No, but we can do it sitting. If yeah. You, but can you put those ones on? Yeah, sure. Okay. 
James, now, does this mic work? One second. Okay, James will turn this mic okay. on. And I'll crank this thing over to here. Okay, so you right, choose the arm. Now. Do you want the left or the right? Uh, let's do the right since it's right next to me. <laughs> okay. Do you want them to come in and see it as well? No. Okay. Good enough. Okay, so now this is not a new ice pick, and usually I do it with new ones, which means this isn't as sharp as it needs to be. Oh, so it means boy. the push is going to be a little more difficult, I guess. Why do you like to do this? You are seem to be. Pure? Are these ones that you give us, are yeah. these pure alcohol? Yes. Pack? Yes? I, I believe 100%. so. I mean, they're just the standard ones that you yeah, get. That's fine, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you want to make sure there's no scent in it or anything? No, no, yeah. no. I want to make sure that there's no bacteria in it. Right, but know? I mean on the alcohol strip. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, why do you enjoy this? You seem you're, no, you're no, excited no, about this. No, well, first of all, it's amazing that you can actually do something like this like it's nothing. So there's a guy named Mirandayo. Can you pull up Mirandayo, you think? <laughs> so Mirandayo, it's this guy, and nobody believed he was doing it for real. And he would take rapiers, and he would have them push right through the middle of his body, oh. through his lungs and everything. He would show on all sides, and then they would pull him out, and he'd be perfectly fine. He, and every, every doctor and saying, oh, you can't do that. But So remember when Steve Irwin died? Do you know why he died? No. Because he pulled the stingray thing out of his heart. The stingray oh. stabbed him, and he pulled it out, right? Crocodile. So if, he, if he's kept it in there, he would have uh, lived? It, right after that, a 70-year-old man was on his boat, and a stingray jumped up out of the water, stung him in the heart, and then st stingray was gone. But oh, the... I didn't even – yeah. The, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, look at that. Isn't that crazy? But the fact that you can actually do this is what's crazy. Like the body can, you, with your mind, you can override it. And then the thing is, he got so cocky, though, that he thought he could do anything. And then he ate one of these things. He swallowed it and it uh, killed him. He bled uh. internally and died. But see, he got really cocky because he was like, I could do anything. That is fucking insane. So he's, <laughs> is he going through his liver? He can go through anything. And that's what I'm saying. So the 70-year-old guy that got the stingray, to, it stabbed him in the heart. Instead of pulling it out, which it's like a corkscrew, he waited till they, with doctors till it beat out the other side. And he was fine. You see? Wow. So instead of pulling it out he waited until what the, happened and the, doc the doctors waited and with the heart they let it beat out the other side and they slowly let it come out it went they, through his whole body they could, if they would have pulled it it's like a corkscrew it would rip him apart he would die how long did it take for it to beat through I his body i don't know but i know that the doctors what they did is they let this it go fucking through guy <laughs> That's oh. a safe place. That's like not an issue. But when you go through the lungs and stuff, it's crazy. <laughs> Look, it's crazy. But this oh is too much. God. I wouldn't show it. It's too insane. like that's too much. That's a thick fucking sword, man. <laughs> but that's he went what I'm saying. That he's, one. Listen, he's. Joe, oh! But so what happened was he started to get too cocky. He started to think he was fine. Oh <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> but, but okay, so Joe, but you have to listen to the origin of this trick, though. <sighs> That's not a trick. No, but I know. But listen, so okay. the origin of this is as a kid, there's that trick where they do needle through arm. Like yes. Have, right? And it's yes. like the rubber, you know, the stuff, and it sticks your skin together. Right. It looks perfect. It looks like it's really through your arm. And then they, like, squeeze blood out of the thing. They pull right. that. So I saw that, and then I was like, but maybe that's, like, actually doable. Like, maybe that trick could really be done. So like the same exact trick, but for real. Right. So that's this. Okay. 
Okay, so you take that. Okay. Like I said, it's going to be a little tricky to push through just because the, the it's usually sharp, and this time it's not as sharp. But and how do you know where to do it? Through? You're going to pick. There's no well, particular spot. You just don't spot. want to hit an artery. You know, you want to. How do I know I'm not going to hit an artery there? I don't know. You're I can't smart. kill you, bro. You'll what if, what if you out. die? So you want me to just right here, anywhere? Sure. What's where do you prefer? Wherever you want. Like right there. Wow, sure. I don't no? know. But I, yeah, do it there, where you want. Do it where you want. Well, when you say where out, sure. Go. Like, where do you where like it just, to go through? I want, the bottom? I like, no, I liked where you were going. Right here. Like your, your, I mean, that's that's fine. But you're going to okay. have to go, like, through. Well, what do you want me to do? Yeah, you're going to push through. Okay. So hold on to you here? Would, yeah, keep, like, a straight path. Okay, yeah, like that? No, I'd, I'd go straight. Like that? Yeah, I'd go like straight that? through. Yeah. Okay, ready? And slowly. I'd go slow. Yeah. Here, lift my. See that? Yep. See. So, it's hard to believe that it's real. You keep pushing. Keep going. Keep going. Wait. Uh oh. Hold on. Woo. What happened? I hit a nerve. You oh, gotta Jesus. do it in another spot. No, 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 no. Come on. on, man. You gotta do another spot. You Listen, were hitting a nerve. Yeah, My but what if I fuck your crazy. arm up, man, and then you can't hang from the balloon, and then just... YouTube's mad at me? <laughs> okay, again. Jesus, bro. Okay. So, by the way, by honest the way. to God, honest I God. never go in this direction. I Which way do you go? go? I always go this direction. Why? From inside to out. I'm just saying, of like the of the all the times I did it, I've always gone this direction. Do you want me to go that direction? I'm just telling you, I've never. Is gone that better? It. No. So what's I, the difference? I'm just saying, I've never done it this oh, way. Oh, okay. So I'm it's a groundbreaking. It's crazy. No, okay. I'm saying it's nuts. Well, it's definitely nuts. <laughs> so hold my wrist again. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, but from the bottom. Like this. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay. And then I go again, and I would I would try to go like a straight path through. Like right there. No, I would go like lower and in, like just. Like there. Point like it. That. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that. And keep. Hold on. Wait. Wait. Push. Yeah, like that. Like that. That's good. Yep. We're on a clean path. We hit something, but it's fine. Now, we hit something, what I use but it's is fine. this. I use the skin here, and I push, so you can see it come through. Push. That's it. See? Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> Super unnecessary, but, uh, but yeah. But it does seem like a magic trick. Like, it definitely doesn't seem like a magic trick but to me. How, but hold on, there's blood vessels and everything. How yes. come there's no blood? Well, it's a very small hole in comparison no, no, to. It's, it, no, it's a good size. And there is blood on the other hole. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's because it's it's that you hit something. <laughs> uh huh. And your body's healthy, so it's clotting out pretty quickly. Okay. All right, then. should I put it out? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Pull it slowly. Go ahead. Pull. Pull. And that's it. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so here, this is for you to keep. <laughs> I can't say I enjoyed that. That was very uncomfortable. <laughs> But what's weird to me more than anything is that you seem to enjoy it. You enjoyed the freak out well, part you, of it. 
No, I, I like what I said. I like that you can override your body with your brain to do things right. that seem like they're not real. Yeah. It like doesn't that. seem, you know, it's real because of what you do to your body. But right. most people see all of the things they do and think it's a magic trick. Right. They think it's a trick. Like, okay, it's a trick. Like he's not holding his breath. And you've done that thing with the sword where you've, you've gone through your body. Yeah, but it was not very thick and it was through right here. I didn't go okay, through the Okay, so you didn't lung. go through the organs like this guy did. No. But I but I think you can. Oh, I well, think, obviously he did it. Right. And swallowing this is what killed him? So he got really he thought he could do anything. <clears throat> so he's like I'm going to swallow this type of thing and then I'm going to bring it up. He swallowed it and he couldn't bring it up and then he fell asleep and it ruptured his heart. He Ooh. died. He woke up, they found him cold. Oh boy. Internal bleeding. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is the thing about these extreme feats, right? Is that you you possibly might be pushing the boundaries of what's physically possible, which means you could die like Houdini. Like Houdini died from getting punched, yeah, right? Yeah, in the stomach. Yeah. How does a punch to the stomach kill you? Well, so normally, like I had Kimbo slice punch me in the stomach. Did you really? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. And then he, I had him do it again, and then I felt bad. I didn't want to make him keep doing it because it wasn't, you know. Cause, right. Because you, as you know, you can train to take a punch. That's yes. Obviously. So I basically had my trainer, Rich Beretta, throw heavy balls, kick me in the stomach, do everything. And I trained for a long, like a, a year, just to take a punch from anybody. And Oh, yeah. Here comes Kimbo. Boom. Oh, and then I dude. was like, <laughs> and then I said to him, "Do it again." So, and by the way, I'm not even in top physical. So I said, "Do it again." And then I, but I could have obviously could have kept going. So, boom. And, and I did that oh. based on Houdini, right? Right. So, but here's the thing: so Houdini would do this on stage every night, and it's a I, it's a great thing in the show. It's like, look, blah, 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 every any ten strongest people in the audience come punch him, and uh, so the and these kids think he's invisible, invincible. Right, like he could, like this is Houdini, Man of Steel, whatever. Right, so he's sleeping in his dressing room. These two college kids, one kid's like, "Watch how strong!" And they punch Houdini in the stomach really While hard. While he's asleep. Yes, and and as you know, that's dangerous because you don't have a wall up. So he ruptured something, but he's a workaholic. So the guy is in a lot of pain. Whether he, he might, maybe it wasn't related. Maybe it's something different. Maybe he had, you know, appendicitis. Who knows? Right, he's in a lot of pain, but he wouldn't let the audience down. So he wouldn't quit his show. So he did his show, and at the end of the show, he's upside down in the water tank, everything else when he shouldn't have been. He should have been in the hospital. But instead, he did the show that night, collapsed on the stage, was not from the water tank, but right after the water tank, was rushed to a hospital and then died in the hospital. And what was the diagnosis? What did he die from? Well, it was, you know, 1926. It right. was very little. Voodoo. Know, the, yeah, they he don't died know. from yeah. voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So... When I mean that, that's the thing about someone who does something that pushes it to the edge like that. I mean, when someone sees you hold your breath for twenty minutes, what's fascinating about it is not just that it's hard to do, but that you might die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or some people say, "Oh, what? What? How's he doing it? Like, right. What's the trigger?" You know. So there's all different interpretations. But the the worry, the thing that thrills people. Yeah, is like the you know that well. Yeah, the, the idea that something could go wrong. That's why yeah. everybody watched Evil Knievel, because he might wipe out on it. And he often did wipe out this yeah. bike. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, this thrill of getting to that edge is very dangerous, right? Because you keep pushing. There's a danger, the but I feel like if you rehearse and practice and right. put the best team and don't just do crazy things without like a plan, then I feel like the danger is like 
sure, the danger's there, but I also rode my motorcycle here, which of is course. also extraordinary. I've lost a lot of friends on bikes. Yeah. Right? So, sure, I get what you're saying, and I, I understand all that. You seem to like thrills. Well, I mean, I like adventures. <laughs> <laughs> like riding a motorcycle to Yeah, it was an adventure. But that is an adventure. Yes. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I look at people that do it every day, and I go, that's a, a braver and person And in California, you're allowed to, like, weave, dude. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of amazing. In know? California, they're like, go ahead. <laughs> Give it a shot. Fuck it. You're here. You know? How, where do you see this? Do you have, like, a, a grand vision of your life in terms of, like, these stunts that you do? Like, do you have, like, some ultimate threshold that you'd like to get to? Wait. We have to take a break. I want to make sure that I'm okay. Okay. Hold on. Are you bleeding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take a break. He'll be right back. So we got to clean up your wound. Yeah, It was fine. fine. Yeah. You seem to enjoy it. You really (laughs) do. You you were laughing while they were cleaning it up and checking it, and you're like, it's good. We're good. It was just, uh, what was it? The blood? What was it that was bothering you? He's mm. drinking all the water to prepare for swallowing a frog. I just, I just felt, uh, you know, too much uh, of the magic becoming real. <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic. How much water do you have to drink uh, I'll, I'll probably to do, do like, what you want to do? Well, we'll see. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? How, do you have to drink it at a certain speed? Because I've seen people that can chug these. They just shove the whole thing down their face. It's almost like a magic trick in itself. They can tr- drink it. I guess. Yeah, like those it. guys that just. Seems like I had like the too. guy that was the fastest work on it with me. But <laughs> how many do you have to drink? Um, you've drank three so far. Yeah, plus the two out there. But yeah. So five. You have to drink eight total. Do you need a bucket or anything to throw the frog up in? Do we have a bucket? Uh, Ice bucket? That doesn't seem like enough fluid, though. Bucket can. But this is an American flag bucket in the back, that big one. Oh, perfect. Oh, look at that. How convenient. This poor frog has no idea. He's he's a magical frog. How do you know he's real? Mm, He's real. Well, you don't know. That could be a magic trick. Well... (laughs) If it is, it's uh, amazing. You should sell these to people that don't want biological frogs because that's a fucking live frog. I mean, he's looking at me. He's moving around. He's bobbing his head. He's trying to get the fuck out. He's making the thing with the throat. Look at him. He's trying to get out. That's a real frog, kids. No doubt. When did you uh, start doing this, the frog thing? Is that enough? What if it overflows? There's a guy called <laughs> There was a guy called the Human Aquarium. And it, so the thing about most of the acts that I'm doing, by the way, like night after night, usually the people that did them, it was like their one act. So there's one guy called the Human Aquarium, and he was a guy that could swallow frogs and bring them up. But he would do it, you'd see him swallow them, and then you'd see him bring them up. So it wasn't magical, it was like a skill set. I would right. Usually what I would do is I'd put them in my stomach, keep them in there for like two hours, and then bring them up and freak you out, right? You right. see? And I'd have a gallon of water in my stomach, so I have an aquarium. I have baking soda, gets rid of the acid, no food, 36 hours. And then once I drink this, we're at a gallon. We're at four liters, so just under a gallon. So, 
So did you not eat for 36 hours in preparation for this? Yes. That's a lot of not eating for this poor frog's worst moment of his life. <laughs> this poor little dude, Jamie. Just in case you don't think he's real. He's real. Oh, there's more than one in there. No, that's just him. <laughs> it's just an illusion. I thought there was a little one in there. That's a decent-sized frog, too, by the way. You wouldn't want to swallow a frog that large. Mark Twain has a quote. He says, eat a live frog first thing in the morning, and nothing worse can happen for the rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, back to the James Nestor book, the one yes. you were saying, Deep. There's something he talks about that's really amazing, which is in one of my favorite parts in there. He talks about how coral communicates. Can I read this thing? I, sure. I, okay. Yeah, sure. So he talks about, it's one of my favorite things um, that he talks about. It's so amazing. So let's see where deep. Okay, so um, I have like a bunch of notes. What app are you using to read from? Uh, iBooks, just because you could keep all the books there. And you highlight Things yeah. with iBooks? Yeah, of course. Oh, I didn't know you could yeah. highlight oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you keep all of your books here. Right. Oh, right no, here. I do that on my phone, but yeah. I didn't know you could highlight. I rarely read on the phone, too. I usually use the Kindle. Yeah, the, I, don't, I, I only use, this is the thing I like live by, so it's like ruined my life, but also, also had it, <laughs> helped it somehow, I guess, some way. Let's see. Hold on, it'll take me a second to pull it up. I just like the Kindle because it looks like paper, you know the paper white ones. Yeah, and they're yeah, and they're easier on the eyes. This yes, is that's tricky what I'm on the eyes as well. Okay, so uh, I, can I just read sure. it out loud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's part of what the Aquanauts and Aquarius are trying to find out. They're also trying to crack the more mystical marine riddles, like the secret behind corals' telepathic communication. This is so crazy what he writes about. Every year on the same day at the same hour, usually within the same minute, corals of the same species, although separated by thousands of miles, will suddenly spawn in perfect synchronicity. The dates and times vary from year to year for reasons that only the coral knows. Stranger still, while one species of coral spawns during one hour, another species right next to it waits for a different hour or a different day or a different week before spawning in synchronicity with its own species. Distant seems to have no effect. If you broke off a chunk of coral and placed it in a bucket beneath a sink in London, that chunk would, in most cases, spawn at the same time as other coral of the same species around the world. Which is crazy. Like, you could take a piece of coral, break it off, put it in London, and another coral of the same species will, in synchronicity, spawn at the exact same time. From they have no idea why. The synchronous spawn is essential for coral survival. Coral colonies must continuously expand outward to thrive, expand outward to thrive. To remain healthy and strong, they must breed outside of their gene pool with neighboring colonies. Once released to the surface, the coral sperm and eggs have only about 30 minutes to fuse. Any longer, any longer and the coral eggs and sperm will either dissipate or die off. 
Researchers have found that if the spawning is just 15 minutes out of sync, coral colonies' chances of survival are greatly reduced. Coral is the largest biological structure on the planet and covers 175,000 square miles of the seafloor, and it can communicate in a way far more sophisticated than anyone ever thought. And yet, coral is one of the most primitive animals on Earth. Coral has no eyes, no ears, and no brain. That crazy. That's insane. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Easy. Well, it's fascinating too that they just have no idea why or how. I mean, what is the what's the mechanism for their communication? The fact that if something's under a sink in London and it sinks up with coral of the same species on another side of the planet, like what is I happening? I think like one of the most futuristic minds of our lifetimes is Jim Cameron. I think like Avatar mm-hmm. and Terminator 2 and like the machines taking over. I, yeah, think, he, I true. think he's like, is the, I think we're going to look back and be like, wow, he, he really predicted a lot. He knew some shit. The trees all communicating mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've, have you read about the mycelium and the the fungus underneath the soil that actually the, the trees utilize it through their root structures and they communicate through that. Mm-mm. Yeah, there's some sort of a there's some sort of a mycorrhizal relationship that fungus has with with these trees, and they they actually somehow or another communicate through each other as well. They're like using the soil, like this. That's crazy. Yeah, we think of soil as being dirt, right? Just but it's there's but life it's, in there. Yeah, yeah, all sorts of biological yeah. life living in that soil. And, yes, and these trees and different plants actually through their root structure communicate. And use the use the the fungi that live in the soil, and it's very very. Paul Stamets, who's a, a, a wizard when it comes to mycology and, and and talking about fungus, and he's got some amazing work that he's done just his whole life studying mushrooms. And it's like and so advanced. When he talks to you about it, like you you just really get this feeling like there's something going on that we don't totally understand. Like the largest animal, they, they, but fungus is kind of an animal. It breathes oxygen. And it breathes out carbon dioxide. So the, the, That's the, crazy. I it didn't is even crazy. know that. Yeah. So the relationship <laughs> that fungus, that mushrooms have with the earth is in some ways more similar to us than it is to plants. Because plants are breathing in carbon yeah. dioxide, obviously, and breathing out oxygen. Yeah. So fungus so we're are- closer to fungus. <laughs> yeah. Then they're living with these things. And there's uh, a, a, f- a group of fungi, I guess- in the Pacific Northwest, it's the largest living creature other than, I guess, like biological organism you'd say was a, a coral reef. But there's something in the Pacific Northwest that's a, a fucking enormous. And it's just one interconnected mushroom structure. Wow. It's very heavy. Yeah. And obviously, the right ones can bring you to God. The right ones can connect you to yeah. alien life and yeah. you know the future and yeah. tell you what you're doing wrong with the planet. Yeah, yeah. So there's some there's something going on with that these things. Into a different part of your consciousness. Well, we're just very egocentric and arrogant in our ideas about what the human race means to the rest of the planet because we have this ability to manipulate things and send texts and emails. Which and, is just about our yeah. proportions, basically, just because our fingers right. and our ability to like. Yeah, but we think that's so important because it's so important to us because it's so significant. Like the ability to watch a television show or not be able to, the ability to fly in a plane or not. Those things are so significant that we think of them as being the most significant things in the world. But meanwhile, there's some animals like like when you see a flock of birds fly in synchronicity in some sort of strange dance, 
And you're like, how the fuck are they doing that? Yeah. And no one knows. They They're really don't amazing. know. There's all this guesswork. They're not really sure exactly what's going on. How do they know how to travel thousands of miles every season and, and go back to the place where they spawned? Like, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. Like, how does salmon? Salmon figure out a way to get all the way back to where they were born. They, they make their way all the way through the river to the ocean, and then when it's time to rock and roll, they get all the way back. And they have to get back to that one spot. They can't get to just any old river. They won't, they won't make it. They won't survive. They won't spawn. They won't do it. They have to get back to the place where they belong. And something in their little salmon brains or in their salmon biological system lets yeah. them know. And we don't know what it is. We don't know what it is, but we fuck up and we damn these river structures, <laughs> and then they die and they yeah. die off. Like the Pacific Northwest has a, they had a huge problem with that, and they they didn't understand it when they first put these dams in place. These salmon would just pool up, and they try to redistribute them to other places, and then they're like, nope, I need to go back to where I'm from. It's weird, man. It's Biological crazy. life is weird and it's, amazing. It's, and, it is amazing, ama and it's funny, right? Like, yeah. We, we think we're so because above, we can do things that other ones can't do, but they can do things we can't do. Yeah, and we just don't put a high priority on what they can do. Yeah, for whatever egocentric reason. Yeah, but so I was I was like I was swimming in a Tonga, in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I was I was with humpback whales. Ooh. And I was with my daughter, and we looked at the mother and the calf. You know, I mean, you know, swimming. We were watching them, and. Um, it was it's it's the most beautiful overwhelming moment i'll show you after uh, some footage but um then i was alone and i was like holding my breath and kind of free diving next to them and and you know when you're not on scuba it's not they're happy to be around you and i'm um, free diving and swimming with the mother and the baby and I'm looking at the mother, and I'm certain, certain that she's just looking at me, but in the nicest way, like in the most peaceful. It was just, it's not like a shark eye that's right. like, whoa, this thing is like, yeah. you know. So I'm like certain that she's like being, trying to communicate something like that. So anyway, I'm still on the same breath, I don't communicate. And I, I go like this. I open my arms up and turn to the mother like this. So I'm saying I go like that, and the mother mimics the the humpback mimics me and turns Whoa. right towards me and goes like this, right? So now we're swimming together, and I'm like this, like kicking I had fins on, and the the humpback is doing the mother is doing that to me, and I'm swimming in synchronicity with with the mother, and and the baby's following her. And then as soon as I'm, like, done from here and I go back down, she goes back down. And it was like I wanted to cry wow. underwater. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like you think, like, She's humpbacks, of course, but you. also their brains are so much bigger than ours. But, of course, mm. they're so – yeah, I still have all this water in my stomach. So if I'm going to do this, I might need Let's to do, do it. <laughs> so You need another one of those? Mm. What is the reason why you need so much water to do this? Is it so that the frog has a place to be? So the frog is safe, you know. I've never injured a frog or anything. I'm sure he feels very comfortable knowing that. Here he goes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Did he hop right out? Yeah. He's like, I know what the fuck is happening here. Oh, hey, buddy. <laughs> hold on. Let me just. Okay. So hold okay. on. Okay. 
I just usually like to give him a little. Get him a little bath? Oh, yeah. Very good. Okay. So this is basically the technique, and I've put up to 10 frogs inside. Look, so he come. Hmm? Need more? <laughs> and now we could hang and talk for, you know, as long as so we So how long does he stay in there? Um, What's the longest you've kept him in there and they live? Like three hours or so. And none of them have ever died? Nope. Wow. That's pretty amazing. How bad do you have to pee right now on a one to ten? Anytime anybody complains about needing to pee. I'm going to show him this video. <coughs> tenth, tenth water. And what are they, eight ounces? Sixteen. Sixteen? It's a yeah, lot of water, so it's bro. Like, it's more than a gallon of water. Yeah. Now, here's the magical part. It's like, uh, it's your right. mouth empty. And I have to, like, get him to swim up to the... How do you do that? I don't know. I just, like, did it and had fluoroscopies and looked where they were and then saw that and then figured out how to... Sword. I did sword swamp to, like... <clears throat> do you feel them moving around inside of you? When there's a lot. When there's ten? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, your face... <laughs> Here he comes. No, no, I got No? First, I like to get a little bit of... You forcing him out now? Can't mm. talk. I'll have to just get some more water. <laughs> when was the first time he did this one? Um, I, I worked on it. I started, like, three or four years ago and it's been a you know it's the first crazy, time you put the frog in your mouth i got salmonella no i didn't swallow the first time i just wanted to get comfortable with the frog you got salmonella? yeah and then i got it again after i tried it the second time and then i built up a resistance to salmonella now I oh jesus let me that's let me, good if you like sushi mouth empty right Here he comes. This is so bizarre. Here he comes. It's because I drank so much, so it's like, I have to like locate him. You have to locate <laughs> kind him. Kind of. Sounds. What would you call this, Jamie? ASMR. <clears throat> this is so strange. So, for people that are just listening, I highly recommend you go to the video. Cause You're gonna is, have to condense. Yeah. Uh, it's no, too no, 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 no. We're gonna keep this up exactly the way it is. 
People need to say, oh. Take out like a liter of water. <clears throat> oh my God, this is so strange. Oh, I oh, spit on Biggie. That's called the water spout. That's how you usually put out the fire. Oh my God. Hold on. The frog is probably like, what the fuck did I do to deserve this? I bet that frog was just like an asshole person in another life. It's That's like a, a gallon water. of water. Do we need another bucket? Maybe. Go get that plastic bucket in the back. The, 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 I don't know if that's good enough, but for now, we'll just use that for now. It is uh, quite preposterous to watch the amount of water that's coming out of you. Oh, let's just get a little better. <laughs> Where is he at right now? Got them in there? Put them in my hands? Okay. There he is. Oh, boy. Here. Little fella. Just watch. Little fella, you've had a rough life. <laughs> you've had a road. You've had a road, buddy. So that's the frog trick. He's alive. <laughs> and perfect. Here. Yeah, he seems fine. Oh, don't lose him. I don't want to lose him. Uh, hey, you want to put him back in the jar? We'll give him a big little... Hold on, let's get some uh, a little bit of water, fresh. Okay. I think I'm gonna need more than paper towels, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna wash my hands eventually. Oh, there is handcuffs here. Oh, you have a pair? Yeah, Jamie. Real ones? I don't know. But is that just coincidental? No, no, no. There's oh. a guy, uh, Ed Calderon. He's uh, <clears throat> a guy who used to uh, work with the uh, Mexican police at the border. Uh, Let me take a few paper towels, too. Okay. And he uh, <clears throat> he brought us some handcuffs to teach us how to get out of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> just noticed that they were there. Random. Is that it seems planned, is that yeah. But that's really, they were just here? He gave them to me, and uh, he gave me like a little tool to show me how to. Uh, Couple tools. How to what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How to open them. What's this plastic thing? On? I have no idea. But he gave you tools to show you how to open them, like how? I don't remember. I have to go back if and watch the video. If I ever caught, get caught, yeah, if you ever get handcuffed, yeah. how to get the fuck out? He showed oh, how, like to, how to pick them. You mean? Yeah, how yeah, to yeah. shove it through the thing to kind of like uh, go go past the teeth of the lock to make it open up. So how to pick them? Yes, right? exactly. Is it not going to work? I don't know. What are you trying to do there? So let's see, like. Oh, 
What are you physically trying to do? Oh, I just want to see if I can actually break them. Break them? Yeah, like break the metal. So, like, really break them for real. Just, let's see. How do you usually do that? I don't know. You don't know? No, it's, like, really hard to break them. <laughs> Was it usually easy to break them? No, it's always very difficult to break handcuffs because you're breaking the handcuffs. Right, but you're trying. Yeah. Because there's some sort of technique to it or something? Using leverage? That's what I'm hoping, but I don't know. If you... <laughs> How many days of your life do you think you've spent fucking with handcuffs? If you could just boil it all down to time. 50? Yeah, but this is probably boring for, like, anybody that's a thing. <laughs> so you're just trying to use the way the attachment as a leverage point. Yeah, just that yellow thing. Yeah. That thing might be weird, that yellow thing. But, yeah, I'm trying to use, like, uh, like what is the yellow thing? I don't Do know. know. Oh, this is just how Ed brought them to us. Yeah, I don't know if I can get these things broken. Hmm. You want to? We can keep talking. Well, can, now I'm like going to be stuck on this. Yeah, but thing. you'll be so preoccupied. Yeah. <laughs> that frog's like, what the fuck just happened? Look at him. He's just sitting in there breathing. He's chilling. Yeah. Imagine though, being a frog. You're like, well, this is it. I knew it was coming one day. That's why I'm so scared of bass. <laughs> so, By the way, they're yeah. These are the the ones I get are like normally they would be like used for bait, you know. Mm. So, I, for, so I asked the guy, I was like, "Could you give me some of your?" And uh, they became my daughter's pets. So I've Does never, she... I've never, never ever injured or hurt a frog. Ever. But how'd you know that that was going to be the case when you first swallowed one? The first one you swallowed, you probably had to be like, hmm. Oh, I didn't start the fire. It started with, like, bingo balls and things like that. And I would put them oh. inside, see if they would come out. I started playing around. So it started with, like, you know, um, how much water could I put in? Then how could I spout the water out to use it to put out the fire? Then could the kerosene float on top? Then I went to lamp That's got to be so bad for bad you. Bad for you. What is kerosene like inside your body? Do you yeah. feel it burning? No, but, or like, the problem is all shit? that's... No, the problem is all that stuff has a residue. What of, is this guy doing, Jamie? It's oil-based. This is the kerosene <sighs> spotter spout thing. Haji Ali, the, Egyptian fire eater in human fountain. Do you know of this guy? <laughs> yeah, that's the guy I'm talking about. Oh, Haji, there he is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Oh, boy. There's a really funny clip of, see, he's spitting the kerosene, and then he puts it out with the water, which is that underneath, because so it floats bizarre. on top. Yeah. Look how much control yeah. he has so of I that. saw that act and wanted to, like, figure that out. What year is this? Did it, um, like, so almost 100. 1925, yeah. this is almost, almost 100 years ago. I mean, saying. that guy. Haji Ali, yeah, he was called the human fire hydrant. That had to be a rough way to go. <laughs> However, he died because he probably yeah, did that this every stuff day. Took right? a toll. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Forget those. We'll do these after. Yeah. We don't need to do. They're that. very slippery. So let me get back to the question that I had before you ran off because you got you were worried about your arm. Do you do you have like uh, you've done so many insane stunts and so many really of these uh, bizarre things that require so much of you? 
do you do you like have a thing in your mind that you have to keep ramping it up and that do you have a place that you'd ultimately like to get to with these with these things no i just constantly like kind of try to figure out like what things have been done in the past historically and then i try to figure out how to make them interesting and then i figure out how to make them kind of modern so it's it's not like a it's, you know it's like it's a it's a small step by step process and i think about each thing and then i try to put them all together but do you feel like you have to keep pushing the envelope um well, I have like a few things that I've been trying to work on to get to that place. So there is like a, it's not a push the envelope. It's just I have a bunch of things I've been trying to. How many out. do you have like on the back burner in the back of your head? I have like two more do? crazy ones that I'm trying. Can to you do. share them? Uh, uh, I, the, the, the thing I will tell you is that if you put them all together, the, the letters all equal out like my name. So that <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's all you can say. But yeah, I, I think that's I don't want to give, go too into it. What do, what do you enjoy most? Do you enjoy doing I feel these... like if you talk about something too much and then you talk it away. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. You take away the magic of like what he's going to he's going to do what? Yeah. Like when it gets announced. Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy doing these big things, or do you enjoy the live shows, or do you enjoy freaking people, out, just random people I, I out with magic? It's like all of it. Like, so it's not like one specific thing. I kind of love doing card tricks. I love doing magic. I love doing things from history. I love looking like the the human aquarium guy, uh, you know, the, the frogs and goldfish and something that came from Houdini writing a miracle monger is all about his act. So it's like you look into the history of things that have been done, like Haji Ali, the human fire hydrant, and you find these. There's a great book that Ricky Jay wrote, who was an amazing magician, where he discusses and explains everything. You learn all these things, put them together, and then what I do that Ricky thought was amazing is and, and insane is like actually take these ideas that that seem impossible but magical and that's what the amazing part is taking them from a hypothetical image and then learning how to do them. So that's like what's amazing about the whole process to me. It, and Ricky's book called Learning Pigs and Fire there's so many bizarre but amazing acts that exist in there. So it's like you look at them and you're like, no, that can't be real. But it was real if you believe it was real. How many of there? How many of you are there out there? Like this must be a like I always think of stand-up comedians as being a very small group of people that kind of only there's understand a, each other. No, there's there's a good amount of amazing magicians. How many? Like, a thousand. There's on the a, planet? No, there's More? a lot of guys that are yeah. amazing. Yeah, and there's different categories. So but some, the stuff that you're doing is not just magic. What I'm saying is like this oh, sort of like the crazy, yeah, bizarre, you, you're, like you're, mixing it all. You're transcending magic into you go into this weird realm of what the I like, fuck well, the is he doing? Is I like to use the body as the prop, so yeah, I like to figure out how to do things where like your body is magic, and I think that comes from like I didn't have like. You know, a lot of many resources to like, oh, go get, which is lucky because then I was like, okay, so what can I do with like what's around? Okay, an ice pick or a bunch of water or force you to be industrious. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yeah, but like you have to figure it out. You but know? Do you, you also ha do you balance it out with like, I mean, you obviously develop some problems from not eating that one time, and you know, you've you've got these stunts where they they have this possibility of physically injuring you permanently. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I worry. So you have to balance you know, out yeah. the risks and the rewards. Like, yeah. There's not that many of those people out there. I hope not. No. That's what I'm saying. Like the people. I like, would worry about them. <laughs> well, you, but you don't worry about yourself. Well, I think I'm careful. You know. Yeah. I'm still like. So we did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. So it's five. Bottles. Five liters, basically. So that's like a. I think that's. In one shot, I think that's a record. I don't think I've actually ever done that many. You never drank that much water before? I don't think so. I think I usually cap at a gallon. Well, it's dangerous, right? You can die from drinking too much water. The water intoxication? Yes. Means, yeah, but I think that's if you like flush it out too much. But but when you combine that with other things, then it's dangerous. So that's well, kids have done like in uh, like fraternity when they have to do those hazing rituals. Right. They've died. From drinking too much water. And there was a woman in San Jose. Yeah, it is possible, of course. Water I think it was San Jose where she was on the radio and there was a thing like, how much water can you drink? And she wanted to win an Xbox for a kid and she died. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's when your electrolyte levels get messed up. Is and that what your it heart is? stops where Yeah, because, mm. yeah. So you, your, your water becomes, there's too much water in your system and your body doesn't know what to do with it. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it flushes out and to puts the imbalance off on your electrolytes. So when you do something like this, do you make sure that you, you consume a lot of electrolytes beforehand because you're no, not because eating? No, because I couldn't eat or do right. anything if you're going to do the frog. <laughs> <laughs> and why is my it important? Friend told, my friend told me, do not do the frog out here. He said, why it sounds he... gross. I don't want you to have to do that because I'm going to have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does sound gross. <laughs> but you 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 feel okay after drinking all that water that quickly? Yeah, but I spouted it out. Remember? That's true. That's yeah. right. most of it, right? There's got to be a lot yeah, still in which you. is on purpose. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, you're a weird man, David Blaine. You really are. That's what I was getting at. Like when I'm saying there's not a lot of people like you out there. I'm glad you're there. I really am. I'm I'm glad you're out there. First of all, because I, I think you're very entertaining, but also because I'm I I love when there's a new type of person that I meet. You know, and you're, there's not, I've met a lot of people, but you're, you're in this new, like, oh, well, and then there's this guy, you know, this is like a, a, a totally new frequency of human. Or just freak. <laughs> not the, take out the quincy. <laughs> Both. <clears throat> but I mean, it's, it's a, a very strange path that you're on. I mean, ultimately, it's like at the, at the end of the day, it's it's trying to just figure out how to make things that seem as, as close to magic as possible. And the process is really difficult and tricky and, and laborious to get to. But eventually you start to figure, oh, this could look magical if it's this or this could, you know. But you seem like a very joyful person because of all this. You, you clearly love what you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, look at that. You're sparked yeah. up. Yeah. 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 That's why I do it. No, you love yeah. it. Yeah. That's what's interesting. It's like such a strange thing to love to do. Stand well, blocks no, of but what ice you do is crazy. Water. You fight. And <clears throat> take well, I don't hit. Do I mean, that in a long time. But that. But I'm saying that's crazy. Like it is know? maybe, but that's the same. It's the same. You're pushing your body to do things that most people but you're basically you're living in a place where you have to override discomfort and you have to override what your body's mm -hmm. trying to tell you not to do and you push yourself you know it's and then it, it <clears throat> and it's that whole journey of pushing yourself to do things that you physically don't think you can do or or to set a goal that that's the best part 
I think. Well, I, I'm just I'm fascinated by people that are really far down on a path. That seems really. Do you, you, I've, have we ever brought up that woman Stephanie Millinger on the podcast before? <clears throat> I follow her on Instagram, and I've, I know I've posted some some of her stuff on Instagram. But she's like a contortionist, and um, she has like inc- incredible balance and 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 core strength. And she's this very small woman who does insane things with her body. Like she did this one. She's on a handstand, and she bends her back so that her butt touches her head. Like her spine is so flexible that you look at some of the things that she does, and you, they don't seem to be like. Watch this. Look at this. Yeah. <clears throat> Watch how she crazy. does this. And look and also she's balancing on these posts, right? So but look what she does with her back. Wow. Look at that. That is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And then she stands with one hand and and she do, by the way she does this like off the side of cliffs and she's incredible. Like look at the way her body is contorting. Yeah. That's incredible. She's pressing her butt against the top of her head. In the craziest way, like it doesn't seem like a person should be able to do that. And the amount of physical strength that it takes to move your body like this and balance while you're doing it is just—it's the the years and the of amount time. Of, yeah, the, this is what I'm saying. Like she's so far down the path. See if you can find the one where she balances on the plates. That one in the middle where you see the the plate. Watch this. So she takes a. This is like a, a standard Olympic weightlifting plate, right? So she puts it down. So it's on its edge, and then she stands it on top of a bar, right? So you got this like this bar that was it's like a like a wow. small and then chin she's up bar. Balance oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a round that's, thing balancing on is, another round that thing. That is amazing. And then she lifts her whole body all the way up and over and does a handstand on this fucking thing. I mean, it's in, she's amazing. It's un- unbelievable. And again, always smiling, always like joyful, yeah, loves loves this. But the physical strength that it <laughs> takes to do something like that and the kind of balance, that's what I'm talking about. Like someone who's on this <laughs> crazy path where if you, you asked someone, could someone do that? You'd be like, no, the bo- your body doesn't do- work like that. That's not how body works. But it does. You just have to take these little baby steps for years. And, and, and then you look back and you're in a different place. And then also you find a version of it and then you figure out how to make it your own. Yes. So it's yeah. like taking something and then made it like a whole yes. new art. Right. Poetic. Yeah. Yeah. She's Or like Cirque du Soleil. They're like whenever I, time, I go to see, I've seen most of the Cirque du Soleil shows. Every time I go, I'm like, "What the? F- how are the fuck? How is that possible? What are they? Do- what are they? They're aliens. Yeah. Like, yeah. But they're on a path. They're just really far down on this path of extreme dedication, extreme focus, and that's what you're doing. You're just doing it with bizarre physical <laughs> feats and magic. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. I'm I'm really happy that you're around. I really am. I enjoy the fact that a person like you exists. Well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, I want to thank you for being here, too, man. I really thank enjoyed the you. fuck out of it. It was well, very cool. Uh, very yeah, cool to talk I've to you, too. I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. Oh, my so pleasure. Thank my you. honor. It's thank you very honor. much. Thank you. Um, so one more time, this will most likely be taking place August 31st, weather Based permitting. Weather, but we will yeah. let everybody know. We'll put it on Instagram. We'll put it on Twitter. And if, there's, if there's any sort of a change, let I'll me let know, you know. And, yeah. and we'll, we'll let everybody know. Great. All right. Thank, thank you, brother. You. Appreciate thank it, man. Thank you, man. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.